0: I thought his middle name was Freaking. I thought it was Joey Freaking Votto when he hit that home run. How about the first place Cincinnati Reds? I had planned that being like our secondary topic on the program, at least in terms of the opening of the show. But, man, it was so easy to spot Reds fans, of which I am one of them. I, I did not do this just because I saw it like, like you know, to go all Ferris Bueller on you like nine times Uh, on, on my Facebook feed this morning, you can spot a Reds fan by if your friend posted the National League Central standings on Facebook today or any form of social media. I'm not sure if it went to the gram or not, but Facebook, Twitter, et cetera. If your friend just posted, hey, here's the National League Central standings, pretty good chance they're a Reds fan, of which I am. Like, my phone the last few days has been blowing up. Hey, we got to go to a Reds game. Like, we had stopped going for the last three or four years. Uh, plans are being made. Um, in case you care, like, either if you want to go hang with me, great. And if not, you want to avoid me, don't go on this day. Uh, it looks like uh, Thursday, July 20th because those 12:35, Wednesday and Thursday 12:35 first pitches are just dynamite. I know they've got one tomorrow at 12:35. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the Titanic in terms of size and trying to steer the ship. you know I, I need a little, little more little more of a wide berth leeway. To kind of rearrange my schedule. So like a month out is kind of how I'm booking these days. So I think that's going to be the trip down I-74. With that, my name is Greg Rakestraw. It is my turn to be the substitute teacher, filling in for no one in particular. It is the Fan Midday Show here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fam. And yes, Joseph Daniel Votto, Joey freaking Votto, the return of Joey Votto is just the next cog in the wheel that is the first Place Cincinnati Reds. Yes, a playoff team in the panor- pandemic shortened season of 2020. And then a team that most of Western civilization checked out on for each of the last two years. And really up till about say three or four weeks ago, they were largely a group, unless you're one of the diehards, that was re- was was kind of easy to forget. They bring up Matt McLean. They bring up Ellie Dela Cruz. He is on an absolute tear. He may be the fastest man alive since Usain Bolt, you know, has retired from competitive track and field. Then you bring back the legend in terms of Votto. And all of a sudden, everybody is talking about the Reds. And yes, let's talk about the benefit of geography. Just like real estate. Location, location, location. The Reds are in the Central. And if you are, if your team is in the Midwest, thank goodness you live in what is called flyover country. You don't have to be very good to win your division. In fact, I think what the top team in the AL Central is a half game under, for as much as any Reds fan is um, slathering love uh, on the Reds right now, they, we, depending on your perspective, I think are what thirty-eight and thirty-five, or three games over at this point. Now, again, from where the Reds were last year, three games over five hundred is spectacular. But it's all about perspective in terms of where the Reds are and where the Reds were so recently, like a couple of weeks ago, nine-game winning streak. Um, you know, fighting for first place, and it's funny there are times, that I'm, and I'm now. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a, a spin off of guard duty. You know, one weekend a month. I have committed over the next couple of months to do this like one day a week, um, just because I'm 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 kind of busy with like my other job. For those of you watching on the feed, as I take the microphone away, that's not good radio. Sorry, Jimmy. I'll yell so you can hear me. Little love for the day job with the ISC Sports Network there, and believe it or not, if I actually get a slow time of the year. It's like, but it's like, kind of like right now. Um, I actually have a week with no play-by-play stunt. I think it's the only week of the year. Last year, I did like 250 events. So literally, this is the only week of the year I don't have any play-by-play. And 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 I'm my voice is fine with that. I'm fine with that. I need a break from taking notes. I love my job. Just need a, a, a little bit of downtime. In fact, after the day, I have one hour the rest of the week talking into a microphone hooray yes i do need a little bit break but i still after to remind myself now that i'm i'm doing this on a bit more of a regular basis again you know I, I i'll have this line i think like a talk show host even though i've not been a full-time talk show host now for 14 years um but there's times i go hmm if i get to be in front of a microphone this is how i would approach this and that is the case today because it hit me last night I'm actually thinking about my buddy, Mo Egger. And you've heard Mo on on ESPN radio. If you're a Reds fan, a Bengals fan, you follow Cincinnati sports media. You know, he is the he's the JMV of Cincinnati. John would be the Mo of Indianapolis. You know, every town has that guy or in some cases a duo where you go. He's kind of the sports talk show voice conscious of that community because he's been doing it forever and a day. And again, he's done some national, if I've met him numerous times, good dude. So we follow each other on Twitter, et cetera. And And I kept thinking about this, maybe because at some point in time in an earlier life, I debated going to work in Cincinnati. My wife is from Cincinnati, graduate of Mount Notre Dame. She came to the University of Indianapolis and I never let her leave the state. We actually lived in Harrison, Ohio, and I drove back and forth for about 15 months um and thankfully that that process ended uh you know in, in you know over 20 years ago and part of the reason why I didn't want to work in cincinnati was a her mother-in-law but b um i didn't know if i wanted to cover cincinnati sports so i'm going to take you back to like 2001 2002 okay 2001 the reds had ken griffey junior they got him in 2000 didn't work out so well. Things weren't trending in the right direction. The Bengals were entering like year seven of like a 20-year walk into the wilderness in terms of being completely terrible and completely irrelevant. We don't have to go that far back in life to go, hmm, um, Bob Huggins may not be the best dude to cover. We've had plenty of examples of that over the course of the last few weeks like when the highlight was Xavier basketball I'm like I'm, I'm not sure working in Cincinnati is where I want to be now and again it it's it's unique here there's other markets that are like this to where we always want to lead with Colts Pacers Indiana Hoosiers etc okay you always want to lead with what is in your backyard what is local and because there's no Major League Baseball here you know, we kind of fan out during the course of the summer months where if the Cubs are great, we're talking Cubs. If the Reds are great, we're talking Reds. If the Cardinals are great, we just throw signs at those people because somebody wants to talk to them. Like the guy snickering uh, over on the board right now in Jimmy Cook. Again, I'm not sure if I'm more happy about the Reds being at first, the Cardinals being at last. I'm going to celebrate the entire catalog of that statement, by the way. So. What a time it must be to be Moegger in Cincinnati right now, because the Bengals are now a Super Bowl contender every year. It's a statement that has never been said before. Um, even if they made it twice in the decade of the '80s, those were kind of comets that streaked across the sky, not consistently winning under Marvin Lewis. They would make it to playoffs, but they weren't going to. It seemingly, were never a threat to be a Super Bowl team in those days. What do they make seven consecutive playoff games without a win? You know, d- during during his tenure, the the playoff win they had to get them you know, the the run of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago was their first playoff win since 1990. Since the game before Bo Jackson hurt his hip, that was against the Bengals. That was the start of that streak. It didn't get, didn't get rectified till a couple of years ago. Now you've got the Reds that are young, that are fun, that people are flocking back to go see. How cool is that? If you're a soccer nerd like me, they're the best team from a regular season standpoint in Major League Soccer. I think they've played like 15 or 16 times and lost one time so far, have FC Cincinnati. By the way, with Ray Gaddis from North Central High School and Roman Celentano, the starting goalkeeper, being from Indiana University. They've got this great new stadium, and so, you know, it's interesting. FC Cincinnati's never had to really compete with the Reds being any good in terms of potentially competing for fans. Uh, I think they're kind of proving that you can have both things and, and be successful at them. Even if you extend it further, University of Cincinnati just finally, after their walk in the wilderness, to use that phrase again, of being out of a major conference, they're going back to it now in terms of being the Big 12. So in thinking about the Reds, think about all my friends Um, that are Reds fans and again I am of that group Um, but I also think about those that cover the team and go man how cool is that and I I think I did this before social media made it popular like thinking in gifts or thinking in movie quotes or things like that but I liken it to if you've seen the movie Pleasantville And like every, the the basketball team made like every shot, like everything was going in. When is a sports fan, when is your life like Pleasantville? Well, right now for the Reds or for Cincinnati folks, it's now where you can talk Bengals Super Bowl and not be laughed out of the room. You can talk Reds and division champ slash playoff spot and not be laughed out of the room. You can talk about FC Cincinnati and a playoff team and maybe winning an MLS championship and not be laughed out of the room. You can talk about the University of Cincinnati playing a major level of of college athletics. Good for those folks on I-74. And then I tried to bring it back full circle. One of the times we've talked about that here. And to have the history lesson um, in 2000, 99 season, the Colts won the AFC East. 99 2000 would be the time that the Pacers were in the NBA Finals. There's been other times. Think back to the last time the Colts or the Pacers were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Would have been 2014. Uh, That was leading into Andrew Luck's third season, a third consecutive playoff berth, a third consecutive 11 win season. It's also the last time the Colts won the AFC South was 2014 so obviously we've had years like that here and the hope is that a couple of franchises that are going younger a couple of franchises that are building hope is that now that kind of leads to the next year it's probably aggressive two three maybe we have another cycle like that here and so that melds perfectly into the fact that we're about 48 hours away from the NBA draft. And the, the Pacers will have a, a a back-to-back lottery pick for the first time since 88-89. Again, another stat that lasted about 30 years that we would, you know, absolutely uh, hit over and over and over and over again last year was that Benedict Matherin, the number six pick, was the first time the Pacers actually selected inside of the top 10 since George McLeod back in 1989. Well, the previous lottery pick before him was Rick Smith's. Well, now you've got that back-to-back. Now, there has been a lot of talk, um, and the the, the chief person I heard talk about it, Brian Windhorst of ESPN, who I'm a big fan of, um, talked about earlier over the weekend, or, hey, Pacers are really looking to move the seven and are really looking to get a veteran back. And even though I am very much pro, hey, um, I'd, I'd like to see this team make the playoffs. I want to see this team team be, you know, you went from 25 wins to around 35 wins. I think this group can get in the 45 win range and be a fifth, sixth, seventh seed and be a playoff team. It's it's this is not some big point of you know, sports talk rate or debate. I think everybody's kind of you know you know line of what the bar is going to be for this team this coming year is you make the playoffs or not and being potentially top six seed I don't think that's that big of a stretch for this group I think that is absolutely what they can do but at the same time the idea of moving the seven to get a veteran I'm like yeah, I think there's enough cap space you can just kind of go get a veteran off to move that number seven pick now it's Kevin Pritchard who would trade anything that's not bolted to the floor. That was his reputation in Portland. He's kind of had his hand dictated to him here by stars saying, I, I'd i like to leave, please. Uh, a la Paul George, a la Victor Oladipo. Um, and again, you can do the simple math. You can count the guaranteed contracts that are already set for next year. Pacers don't need to bring in five players. okay? And they have five picks. One's a back-end, second-round pick. You can always stash somebody or, you know, a, a, it's 55, I believe, is the exact number of having that written down in front of me. I think I've talked enough about the Pacers draft, I'm able to tell you without even looking it up. 7, 26, 29, 32, and 55. I think is where the Pacers are drafting coming up. That 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 late second round pick, you're getting anything for it. If you get something out of it, great, but don't worry about that. But 26, 29, and 32, you know, in other years you go, hey, this, and look what Andrew Nemhard was early second round last year. Look at what the Pacers found there but there's only only so many spots in terms of playing rotation. You're already at a point where even as a backup center, you're trying to figure out, all right, which of the young guys that have been brought in the last two or three years are actually going to be difference makers, and, and which one can we kind of jettison? You know, j- just a couple of years in, you're already, hey, it's either going to be Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson, not both guys behind Miles Turner. And so... I want to see the Pacers, frankly, keep the seventh pick. My thought is, is that, hey, it's one more young and dynamic player, knowing that your youthful core of Halliburton, Nemhard, Matherin, and then I think the guys that are kind of more core players, but role players on that group, Neesmith and maybe Wara, those are the young guys. Okay. Give me one more guy of that ilk. You've got Turner for two years. You've got healed for one. You got to figure out is there room enough in the rotation, not on the roster, but in the rotation for Halliburton, Nemhard, McConnell. All guys that are pretty good at handling the ball. Guys you think that that are that are point guard level players. I mean, you know, I, I said you got to pick one of of Smith or, uh, or Isaiah Jackson. Kind of right at that point on Chris Duarte. We're like, hey, um, what can you get for Chris? He's a pretty good player as so a rookie. Got hurt last year. Kind of lost a spot in the rotation. Now we're almost like forgetting about him that he was even on the team, or was it a a late lottery draft pick a couple of years ago? So I understand wanting to move and get what you can in terms of twenty six. 29, 32. I I get packaging that either to get back a higher draft pick, potentially getting a veteran, whatever the case may be. That seven, knowing that if you do this right, you hope to not be drafting in that neighborhood again for some time. It's kind of what I like the idea of having that number seven pick. Now, who is it going to be? Again, we we keep getting we know that Wimbayama is going to be the one. Some combination of Miller and Henderson are gonna be are gonna be two and three. And then from four past the Pacers, it's kind of like, hey, who's going where? Again, the name that gets brought up the most with the Pacers is Jarris Walker. Seemingly of the teams in front of Indiana, the guy the team that would be most likely to take him. Could be Detroit. And that's the last athletic mock draft that I saw. But the NBA Draft.net that I've got in front of me has Cam Whitmore going five, Jairus Walker going seven. And again, I, I'm not here to tell you that that Walker's the course. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't. Um, but I, I guess I like the thought of what they can get that seventh pick. And I'm not sure there's a veteran available that I would want to see the seven moved for. And the other thing that I will point out is this. You got cap space. Pacers, I think, have $25 million under the cap. Now, some of that will be gobbled up by the seventh pick. Some of that will be gobbled up by picks 26 and 29 if you can't move them. Those are guaranteed contracts. But I still think there is room to take on salary and still have that first-round pick. So, again, one thing that I think I'm pretty good at and doing my job is math. So OG Ananobi. Obviously, he's going to be linked here because we're guilty of anybody else. Hey, he played at Indiana University. Talk about OG, right? Um, but OG has been kind of a guy that people have talked about. Hey, it's him as a more modern four, as a stretch four that can space the floor, but also a little more physical, than a little more big than your other wings. He'd be the guy that would fit in here. Well, OG's contract number for next year is $18.6 million, which you can fit under the cap and probably keep a draft pick or two at the exact same time. Now, obviously, you got to work a trade for him, but the Raptors do appear to be a team that's on team tank. They're on team teardown. Do I like the idea of, of giving up the seven for OG? Not really. I realize you have to give up something of value to get something back. I understand how that works. Is it maybe, you know, maybe maybe 26 or 29 in like next year's first, which would be like between 15 to 20 for the Pacers? Maybe. And I, I, I reference Brian Windhorse by name. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Wendy. Seriously, I'm a big fan of Brian. You got to remember that so much of what you hear from the national guys this time of year isn't them throwing things against the wall and seeing what and, and you're seeing what sticks I don't know it's being kind of fed information and hearing it from the source as kind of a test balloon to see what the room temperature is but also you're getting it from multiple people so I have no doubt that Kevin Pritchard is 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 looking to shop the seven pick if he thinks he can get up to get another one that I like the seven pick. To potentially just get a veteran back, I don't think you need it because you got cap space. And again, you're not looking for quantity. You've had quantity the last couple of years and you have found foundational pieces, whether it's an all star level player in Halliburton, whatever we think the ceiling is going to be on Benedict Matherin. You know, give me one more guy like that because again, you've kind of got the rotation largely set. Maybe it's the fat guy in me. I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want to see him have the seven pick. I want to see him bring in one more vet because, again, I think there's something here. And so that will be a large chunk of our program today. A lot of guests on the show I like it that way. Uh, There's time for you when not. 317-239-1070. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Or email the show, greg at 1070thefan.com. Here's the guest list. Um, Drew Storen will join the program and do so in the next segment. He's got a signing coming up. Of course, he is now an alcohol alcohol magnate uh, and has done so with corn from Field of Dreams. It's an interesting story. He's an interesting cat. He'll join us coming up in the next segment of the show. And, oh, yeah, yes, former teammate of Joey Votto. And, you know, I've only known Drew since he was like 11. He's, he's always been quite the conversationalist. We'll have a good time chatting for the next 15 to 20 minutes when Drew is on the program coming up after our next commercial break. Uh, Dustin Dopierak of the Indianapolis Star. Uh, I took copious notes as to the questions he answered yesterday. I'll try to ask him completely different questions today. Uh, Dustin making the rounds on the midday show. Dustin back for their command appearance coming up at 1 o'clock. We'll go back to Cincinnati. And I figured it was only fair. If I had Charlie Clifford on the program last week, I pretty much should have Olivia Ray on the show this week. The continued Wish TV to WLWT connection. Uh, all the stuff I said about what a great time to be a Cincinnati sports fan, the same works if you're in the television market in Cincinnati as well. So Olivia will join us talk about the atmosphere last night uh, at Great American Ballpark and uh, just how fun it is to cover this Reds team right now. Mike Chappell will make his usually his usual there you go Tuesday appearance on the show. Obviously, we have hit the quiet period for the Indianapolis Colts since Mike and I last talked to each other on Tuesday. The Colts had two minicamp practices. That was it. Waved off Thursday. And now, frankly, Colts fans, other than, hey, here's a veteran cornerback, or here is what the Isaiah Rodgers suspension is going to be, you know what you want to hear about your Colts between now and July 25th? That's it. That, that, because anything you're between now and then is probably not good news. So Chappie will join us coming at the 2 o'clock hour, and we'll double down on Pacers draft coverage. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana will be joining us on the program as we get his thoughts on what the Pacers moves offseason draft free agency will look like because we have now hit that time. Draft on Thursday night. Free agency window begins the week after. Um, and again, I think the Pacers will be active in both. But you're looking for a key Piece or two. A lot of the groundwork has been laid. You're looking for the proper puzzle piece. That's the mindset will be for Kevin Pritchard, uh, Chad Buchanan, etc Everybody involved with the Indiana Pacers. A lot of Pacers, a lot of Reds, little Colts. And when you want to fill in the gaps, feel free. 317 239 1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter, Greg at 1070thefan.com, Drew Storin. Coming up next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies. Jamming out to something new and everything in between.
0: I promised this gentleman when I booked him on the show last night, mild takes only would be required. Nothing mild though about his business plan because somehow he has gone, you know what, that corn that is around the field of dreams, we should make some alcohol with it and that is the starter of the conversation with my buddy drew storen who joins us now good afternoon my friend how are you oh rake i'm great thank you so much for uh, having me on all right so how again as as i've watched field of dreams far too many times to count and seen the major league games played at the new field of dreams complex where does one kind of go hmm all that corn in the outfield we should distill that where did that idea begin for you
2: that was a road trip with my best friend, uh, Andy Keller. So Andy and I would, uh, hunt down some rare bourbons back in the day, uh, when I was playing in DC and we were just kind of spitballing different ideas and talking about different types of corn. That's when we kind of go, Oh, what if we took the corn from the field of dreams, movie site and put it into whiskey <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of a fun, you know, have a couple of drinks with your buddies throughout the years and talk about it. And nobody ever said, it. yeah, that's never going to work. So, uh, you know, pivot to when I retired, reached out to uh, people at the movie site, got in contact with the Ray family who takes care of the field. And they told me they sold that corn like any other corn. So I said, I had a better idea. And uh, here we are.
0: So you took a U-Haul. I'm reading from my buddy, Matt Van Tryon's article from, from back in last August, you take a U-Haul from Indianapolis out to Dyersville, Iowa and bring back corn here to Indianapolis. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, so I uh, got a got a grain bin from a, a local farmer friend of mine uh, after he taught me about corn, and we put it on a U-Haul and uh, filled her up and took it back here and had our first barrel put down and then had some other juice made for a canned cocktail and uh, realized the corn's great for making whiskey. So uh, from then, we uh, took 36 semis and took the entire crop from the 2021 game, so almost 5 billion kernels, and uh, transported that up to Minnesota to be distilled.
0: And obviously, the the marketing hook is pretty obvious to see, but at the end of the day, how good's the product? The product
2: has to be good. Uh, that was something that I, I take a lot of pride in. I. I always have said I know bourbon, so I'm putting my money where my mouth is. But um, in this first one, I wanted something that's extremely approachable. So if you're a whiskey fan or just a baseball fan that wants to get into whiskey, um, it's friendly, um, but it's it's a two-sided bourbon as well. So neat it tastes uh, one way; it kind of hits for power. But then uh, I say you butter the corn with one <laughs> one little one little ice cube, and it opens up into a completely different animal. I tried to. You know, I try to get the taste similar to one of my favorite bottles in my collection, which is an Old Four Roses 125. So I'm just taking all the fun things from my collection, whether it's a blue wax top, from one of my favorite bottles. That's why we have a blue wax top and trying to mold it all into this fun story. All
0: right, drinkfieldofdreams.com is the website where you can kind of go to find out more. Uh, But obviously, as as product is now hitting the shelves, you're doing a lot of events uh, to let people know about product hitting the shelves, and you've got one coming up this week. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, so Big Red is opening a new store in Brownsburg. So uh, going back to the hometown again, we had a great signing there a couple weeks ago. Um, that's gonna be four to five, uh, on their new location off highway one thirty six. And so there's gonna be a couple hundred bottles there and hopefully it's uh as crazy and fun as the last event where, you know, again, I love sitting down and talking to people and telling them that, hey, this is all the work that I've done. This is not me just being a mascot um, and really connecting, seeing how much it means to people. Um, it's been absolutely surreal to see the reception from people. And I, I mean, I, <laughs> it's overwhelming, um, but I, I couldn't be happier about it.
0: This is a great problem to have, but but it can be a problem. And, and that is, once you've put your, your, your blood, sweat and tears, your life into being a professional athlete, once that ends, there is always the question, Okay, now what do I do? Um, so, so what what is the the rush of this like to getting a save, to getting a a big strikeout? Does this kind of fill what what, what that void might have been for you?
2: It certainly, um, you know, for me, design is a big passion of mine. So I get to do that, you know, kind of in the in the bullpen per se, right? And now it's to the point where two years in, I go out and I've, I've thrown the pitch on the mound. And I don't, you know, now I lose control. I don't know. I'm not selling every bottle. And uh, it's kind of like you're watching the ball get hit around. And it's pretty amazing to see, you know, what has happened. I've misbiased as, as anybody in the belief in this concept, but I didn't know it was going to be this, this incredible of a reception.
0: Have you gotten to the point now where you're thinking about, okay, what's next? Or are you still too knee deep in this to worry about whatever the next project's going to be?
2: It's a little bit of both, you know, it's, it's kind of just like baseball, right? You take it a day at a time or any other cliche. I want to roll out there, but at the same time, you always want to set that trajectory high. And um, you know, that's something where in the months past, I've been really prepping for potential. Okay. Here's an Avenue. Here's an Avenue. Um, Anytime you can be proactive towards things versus reactive. That's, that's, going to really help grow this. And, uh, you know, it's an art, you know, we're very limited um, with with our numbering system. You know, we only have 22,860 bottles that are going to be spread across at least three or four states. So we're not talking, to, we're, it's a quarter of a Pappy Van Winkle run. So it's pretty thin, but, you know, we're, we're armed with production to double and triple as we move forward. And that's where we've heavily invested all of our money into putting a bunch of barrels down to make sure that we get this bottle into as many hands as possible whether it's year one or year six
0: sadly you, you can't give a bottle to Ray Liotte at this point but you can give one to Kevin Coster. you can give one to Timothy Busfeld Amy Madigan etc have you had any contact with like the people that are involved with the movie about getting this product in their hands
2: yeah so I, I've talked to Kevin Costner and his people um actually when I started this so uh that's all on my list to get one out to him. Um, and then I'm forgetting the actor's name, and I should know it, that plays his father in the movie, but I had the chance to meet I can, him last I can, year. I can
0: picture him. Is, is, it's not Frank Whaley. He plays uh, Moonlight Graham, but I, I, forgot, I forgot his yeah. name, but I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yep.
2: Yep, so I had a chance to meet him last year, and he's extremely uh, – Dwyer. Okay. Um, yes, uh, and and so he. I'm going to get him a bottle as well. Um, so, yeah, I think you know that's all a really important piece of it. Um, you know, Get this – Get this in the hands of the people that are you know, behind making this a real thing um, because, like I said, it's been a long journey. I've had an incredible amount of help from people in, of all angles to make this make this happen. It's been fun.
0: Again, Drew Storen, our guest, Greg Rakestraw, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So, clearly, you're keeping yourself busy. Just how much baseball are you consuming these days? How much are you watching? Uh,
2: I'll watch it with my my oldest son is six so he's you know he's real into baseball so I love watching it with him and then teaching him and so we'll watch Tuck uh, and the Cubs but of course you can't not watch the Reds at this point um, but I, I'm not catching their games as as much as I plan to now.
0: Well, all right. So um, your teammate returned, one of your many teammates with the Reds returned last night. Your thoughts about the run they've been on and and seeing uh, Joey Club won his first game of the season.
2: Oh, I mean, it's a it's a beautiful symphony, right? You have the young guys. You got De La Cruz coming up, just lighting the world on fire, beating balls out hit to first, which is just my favorite part about that clip. is watching the guy's reaction in the dugout. Right. It was just like <laughs> what just happened. Um, but you you know you have a group of young guys, homegrown guys, or you know the Reds gave them a shot. You know, anytime you have young guys that have a chance to make a name in the big leagues together, that's when you have something special. And then you sprinkle in Jovo who, you know, is a franchise guy, is the franchise and gets it and is one of the best, most aware, nicest teammates I've ever played with and not to mention just one heck of a baseball player. So to see him come back last night, like, that's that's goosebump-type stuff. That's, you know, again, stuff you can't script because it would be too hokey for a movie. Um, but that's what makes the game beautiful, and I think that's the spark, you know, to really – I, you know, again, add to that trajectory. Um, go to the Mars at this point. You know, it's it's pretty pretty fun to see because I've been on the other side of it. You know, I right. think I see a lot of parallels to 2012 in DC, where yeah, the expectations weren't necessarily there, but you know, that's when special things happen. And then you see the stats with them coming from behind late in games. That once you get that as part of your bit, your resume that's always in the back of guys' heads when you're playing. Like, oh, man, they're not going to do it to us. So then you start combating that concept more than playing, right, instead of just pitching and get the guy out. Um, You're like, oh, we're not going to let them get us this time. That's you know the fact that they've been able to do it to other people. That's that's a pretty good thing to have as part of your reputation.
0: I think 16 one run one run wins for the Reds so far, and over sixty percent of their wins have been in games that they have trailed. Some of the things that uh, Drew has been talking about. Thought of you uh, when I was calling a baseball game. I had a chance to go to a couple of Indiana State games this year, and uh, all of a sudden uh, my partner looks at me and there's two outs. The first two guys have struck out, and he throws seven fingers. And I go, it's about a half a second. I go, they haven't touched a ball yet this inning. But I didn't say that. It was kind of me figuring that. And I go, there's an A strike. And so I got to call an immaculate inning. You had a chance to pitch one in your last year with the Reds. Um, what what was that like for you back in 2017?
2: <laughs> that is, that's that's the bullpen perfect game right there. Um, it was something I remember talking about one of my first couple of years in the big leagues. And the day we talked about it, I was Eight for nine. So I almost had it on the same day we talked about it. And It was always the elusive, you know, thing. So, you know, by the time I got to Cincy, my stuff wasn't nearly what it was at the beginning of my career. And I remember that game because I got the first two guys. And I'm like, man, I have a chance. And and when I did it, I high five Tuck and I said, now I can retire. You know, that was <laughs> – that was, that was, I was like, I did it. I did it, man. Like, that's incredible. Um, you know, just one of those fun feats, you know, you and especially to be able to throw it to him. Right. Uh, that Between that and and that it was the same ball the entire time. They never made contact. Those are my two cents, two, my two bonus points that really mean a lot to me when it comes to having one of those. And like I said, I was never a starter, so I never had a chance to do anything cool as a starter. So I might as well do it from the bullpen.
0: All right. In the time when, when I kind of got this text chain going with your dad to get you on the show, uh, in between that and today, a good friend of both of ours has announced he is hanging him up. Pat O'Neill is retiring as the head coach at Danville. He was your head coach at, at, at Brownsburg High School. Um, just kind of the role that, that he played in your development as a high school player.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you can tell he's he has hands in so many careers and, you know, quite the resume as a coach. And I think the big thing that I learned from him was he treated us like professionals. You know, he let the the veterans, you know, the Lances of the world kind of run the team. And, you know, he took care. He stayed out of the way. You know, that's there's an art to that. And just knowing this is the kind of team I have. And then, you know, years past when we were, not or after that, we weren't as strong. So then there was a little bit more work that went into it. So he was always had a good pulse on what kind of team he had. And, you know, that the results
0: don't lie. How often do you keep in touch with Lance and Tucker at this point?
2: I usually don't bother him during the season. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I'll, I'll talk to Tuck every once in a while, um, but you know, I, I try to stay out of the way because I know how that goes. And and it's amazing now how different my schedule is compared to what a baseball schedule is. Uh, it's true quite the opposite so uh those those early morning texts that i'll send to people that i'm like oh yeah here's something i'm really thinking of i know i can't fly with them because <laughs> i don't want to be hitting them mid mid rim cycle
0: understood um you, uh, of the many things that you pull from from your dad uh you know the, the ability to tackle a project like this field of dreams is one of them what's the latest woodworking project your dad is working on
2: Oh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. I think his house is like beyond perfect at this of point. Of course it is. It, it always has um, been yeah.
0: that's your dad. That's just the way he's wired.
2: Yeah, I'm hoping he kind of lays low because I, I should be wrapping up our, our new house here in the you know next early next year so i'm going to make sure that he's got enough in the tank to, come <laughs> up and, you know do his thing so I'm, I'm trying to i'm hoping he takes a little break from it
0: you need his creative design work for that so you don't want to make sure oh, that yeah. none of the good stuff is is waste his own place yeah fortunate to be yeah. facebook friends with uh, with with drew's dad mark and again uh mark has passed the time after his radio and television days but basically he should have his own show on H- HGTV. someone has to have convinced him of this at some point right yeah, I'm
2: kind of shocked that, you know, he hasn't done that. But I think that's part of the beauty that, that he likes. And honestly, it's probably similar to me that there's an art to doing something when nobody's watching. Right. <laughs> and then having somebody see it once it's done versus having somebody, you know, being in real time. Um so I, I think that's probably why he probably hasn't gone that route, but I agree with you. Um, and he always jokes that he, lo- he would love to have the HGTV show because the dissolve feature is the best tool in the tool belt because <laughs> all of a sudden the dissolve comes up and then the thing is done. Um, so I, I, I think his production would certainly go up.
0: Understood. All right, before we let you go, let's plug one more time. Uh, Big Red Liquors, Brownsburg, Your sign signing bottles. One more time, explain it.
2: Yep, Friday, 4 to 5, the new location there off 136, uh, 136 there in Northfield. Um, it's, uh, yeah, 4 to 5, I'll be signing the bottles. Um, like I said, hopefully we can have a lot of people like last time and get your bottle signed.
0: That sounds good, my friend. I'm so happy for you that, that life after baseball is going well. And uh, and I can't make Fridays, but the next time you're in a signing, I'll be there, I'll guarantee you. I appreciate it, Ray.
2: Thank you so much for having me on. All
0: right, be good, buddy. All right, you, too. you got it again. That is Drew Storen joining us. Thanks so much for him for hopping on. Again, obviously one of the, kind of a, a variety of topics uh, but uh, knowing his mom and dad uh, and knowing his overall intelligence, not to mention having you know a Stanford education to go along with it. Uh, I w- wasn't exactly worried what life after baseball is going to look like for Drew, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I had, would have thought hey, the corner around the field of dreams. Let's make a little whiskey out of that, shall we? It's creative. I like it. And again, stop by the Big Red, Big Red Liquors, the new store in Brownsburg, Friday between 4 and 5, and uh, have Drew sign your bottle of what I'm sure will be your new favorite whiskey. We'll take this quick time out. We'll talk a little more Reds, a little more Pacers, a little more with you. 317-239-1070. At Greg Raikstra on Twitter, email the show, greg at 1070 thefancom We're back after this.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: Whether you are with your brown-eyed girl or like me, you're waiting for your blue-eyed girl to get home after eight days of being in a different country, Hope you're enjoying your Tuesday afternoon. By the way, um, I had, did this all over social media yesterday, but did not have this microphone in uh, in front of me. My mother, my wonderful mother, celebrated her 80th birthday yesterday. And I think a lot of her genes have been passed on to me, and that's a very good thing. Um, this is not the most important, but I, I hope the uh, genes to look young for 80 get passed along to me because my mom doesn't look like she's 80. Doesn't act like she's 80 either. But happy birthday, a day late, mom. Trust me, I, I made those birthday wishes in person on Facebook uh, and by a lovely dinner at Fogo de Chow last night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, again, he's off microphone, but because uh, I'm trying to protect the few strands of hair I have left on top of my head when we don't have a guest, as you can see, uh, those of you watching uh, on the YouTube feed, on the Twitter feed, et cetera. Um, I don't wear headphones when I'm not talking to a guest. So I get to hear Jimmy off microphone go, ooh, Fogo. It was good. It's delightful. It was fantastic. Believe me. Um, And so anyway, happy birthday, Mom. I love you, and I cannot thank you enough for everything you have given to me. 317-239-1070 at Greg Reichstraw. Email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. Pacers conversation picks back up. With Dustin Dopirac uh, in the next segment of the show and we spent 10 or 15 minutes talking about uh, off the top of the show what I thought again what the Pacers should do I'm all for bringing in one more veteran I'm all for keeping that number seven pick if you can think you can move up and, and move up a couple of spots to get maybe even a better player great I don't want to see a veteran at the expense of the number seven pick again fat guy give me my cake and I want to eat it as well so I want to talk in this kind of smaller segment I've got here at the end of the hour about how, you know, it's it's tough to find trades that benefit everybody. You know, and we said this, you know, we we were kind of lucky that we got one here in terms of, you know, when Paul George wanted out, you ended up getting Victor Oladipo and Damana Sabonis. The team never reached the top ceiling that they did with Paul George, as the star player, but Oladipo, for the time he was here, did a hell of a job. Sabonis obviously is one of the better players in the NBA, and the best example of a trade helping both teams was the trade going the other direction involving Domas. Domas goes to the Kings. They win a division championship, make the playoffs for the first time in like twenty years. And while the Pacers didn't make the playoffs, Tyrese Halliburton improved their win total by ten. And clearly, he is the guy that this franchise is building around going forward. That's all-star for all-star. You hope the trades work out like that. There's one trade that has happened, and even another that I am seeing potentially proposed, where in the first trade, I'm not sure I feel good about it for either team. Maybe I feel good about it for the Pacers, because I know that one team is going to stink uh, in terms of the Washington Wizards. That's one less team you had to worry about in terms of taking a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, the Wizards have been stuck in a, in a tough spot for a long time. And that is, you invested in Wall and Beal and you got nothing out of it. Nothing out of it. Obviously, they had jettisoned John Wall a couple of years back. And finally, Bradley Beal moved to Phoenix. Now, what, what the Wizards get back... Because Phoenix is out of first-round picks. They get some pick swaps. Uh, They get a bunch of second-round picks. They get the contract of Chris Paul. And maybe they get Landry Schammett. But it really was just a a clear-the-deck sort of move for the Wizards. They get out of having to pay Bradley Beal for the next several years. Um, They have told Chris Paul, hey, if if you want to play for us, we'll happily take you. And, And there's precedent for that. When Chris Paul played at Oklahoma City, he played so well there, they made the playoffs, which they weren't trying to do, and they, they shipped him away a year later. So the Wizards are like, hey, you want to play here, great. If not, we'll move you someplace else. And the speculation now is that he could be heading to the Clippers, maybe the Lakers, but it seems a reunion with the Clippers is is kind of the likely direction uh, for uh, the pride of, of uh, State Farm University. But now the, the Suns, who again... Are trying, you know, you've got a new owner. It's trying to be flashy and trying to compete with the Denver Nuggets, who appear they have their collective stuff together. Uh, you know, for the next several years, with how they have been built. So, if you don't have the runway to build it the way the Nuggets did, you got to go the super team route. So the Suns have Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal. And then the two pieces they have built of their own accord, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And I think literally campaign might be the only other player that's under contract for next year. Like they, they have to li- literally, you know, there could be, and I'm not sure what the payoff would be for the Indiana Pacers, but if there is a team looking to move multiple draft picks, like the Pacers are, the Suns would be a taker for that, um, just because they literally need the bodies. They have to go sign guys on veteran minimum deals or or, or have have draft picks that, that come back their way, of which they don't have any first round picks. So again, I'm sure they'd love to take the Pacers' picks. What would they give back in return? They don't have much of anything to offer back in return. So it's one of those deals where you know again, maybe you win the headline. But in Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker, you got kind of three guys that do the same thing, and I'm going to need the basketball a lot. And you have so gutted your roster to get the to get you know, those two guys that have come in the last year. All right, well now what? You know, there's a difference in playing fantasy basketball and actually building it the way a general manager would. So that was kind of the first big domino fall, and again, it, it dominates social media. It makes the headlines. Does it make your team better? I'm not sure it does. And if you're the Wizards, you know it doesn't make your team better. You're not trying to make your team better, but you're hoping to get assets back. I'm not sure you really did in that scenario. And so I don't have time to kind of get fully into this, but the other kind of rumor that seems to be circulating is now that the Suns went and got Bradley Beal, It also meant that Dame Lillard wasn't going to the Suns. It also meant that Bradley Beal wasn't going to the Heat. So now it becomes, hey, if Dame Lillard's going to move, is he going to South Florida? Well, if he's going to South Florida, who goes back to Portland? In other words, are you willing to part ways with Bam Adebayo? Are you willing to part ways with Tyler Hero, whom you just extended, and also missed because of injury, your entire playoff run? Are you willing to cut bait on Kyle Lowry? Does a team want him back in exchange? Because simply, he's an expiring contract after next year. So if you're Miami, you made the finals twice in four years, and you kind of acknowledge, hey, we're probably one player away. Are you willing to trade one of your key pieces to get that player back? We'll save that discussion for later in the show. We'll bring it back to the Indiana Pacers when we return. Dustin DePirac of the Indianapolis Star Pacers will be on the clock. Oh, about fifty-five hours from now. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. Fan midday show, 93.5107.5 107 5 the fan. <laughs>
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: Sometimes I'll forget to have a production meeting with me before the show or even during the commercial break. I meant to tell you, before you get to Perak on the show, can you cue up some Jason Isbell? as far as a return message is concerned or return music is concerned. Since he and Zach Austin were blowing it up at the show in the last few days, thought that might be the way to go. How was the concert, Dustin?
3: It was fantastic. Uh, he's absolutely awesome every time. Played a lot of the new record. Weather rains is really, really, really good. So anybody out there that's a News Bill fan, if you don't have it yet, you need to pick it up or you need to stream it or whatever it's fantastic so i was like half of that then you know some of the old classics he was phenomenal which he always is
0: so and even osterman's company didn't ruin it for you
3: (laughs) somehow not
0: for, th- for for those that don't know, uh, these two guys are like an old married couple. They are literally Stadler and Waldorf. Um, <laughs> I, I, I remember being at an IU baseball game uh, right right as they were getting good, like 2013 is going to go to the College World Series. And those were my mm-hmm. days of writing things at 1070thefan.com. And I think I was as entertained by watching you two bicker each other as I was actually <laughs> watching the game that night. <laughs>
3: Sounds about right. Yeah, that was at our peak too because we were like <laughs> that year, 2013, when it was that. That was the year I went to the Sweet 16 in, in basketball, and then we had baseball right after that. I mean, I think we probably spent like 75 percent of our free moments together. That was, or, or, or really, all of our waking hours, to be honest. So that was the height of of the Pirak Osterman victory because it was a it was a daily situation.
0: So uh, has has now has he brought you to the dark side? You'll never be the soccer guy that he is. I'm not sure. No. I'm the, and I get paid to do this professionally. I'm not sure I'm the soccer guy that he is. So he he hasn't drug you into in, in a Premier League favorite team he, at this he point?
3: Is, he has tried very hard and, and failed. Like, <laughs> one time I crashed over at his place back in Bloomington, and, like, he – I don't know, like, uh, I crashed on this couch and there was a, there, there was some kind of, I think it was Liverpool Man United at like, I don't know, nine in the morning or something like that or, or seven in the morning. And I was not even close to conscious for this and I missed it entirely. I think that was when he sort of gave up and said, Dustin's just never going to care. And that's true. I just, I, it's fine. It's, it's, it's a beautiful sport, but I, 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 I just don't
0: care. Well, luckily <laughs> enough, we had. You want to talk Pacers anyway, so we can leave the yeah, soccer conversation <laughs> behind. I'll skip my messy notes uh, that I had uh, laid out for you, and onto the NBA draft. um What do we know? Two and a half days out. Let Let's start with this. Do you think the Pacers are making the seventh selection in the draft?
3: I mean, it's very possible they don't. I mean, I've I've seen. I, I do think. Um, I believe the OGN and OP stuff is, is credible. I and mean, I see no reason why you, it, it, it makes sense. I think for them to pursue it. And it definitely seems like uh, Toronto was in the position of sort of blowing it up and starting it over. So I don't, I, I don't think that's a, a talk that should be dismissed at all. And I think it makes a lot of sense for what's considering what's on the board. I mean, it, you know, if, there's obviously a good possibility that they're picking between, you know, Jairus Walker and, and Taylor Hendricks at that spot. And obviously that's two sort of defensive-minded forwards that you're sort of hoping uh, one day can become guys that are good enough to be, you know, first-team NBA All-Defense. So just makes as much sense to try to pursue somebody who already is first-team NBA All-Defense and is, you know, relatively young, 26, has some Indiana ties, haven't played at IU. Sure. Uh, yeah, I you know it, it's sensible to pursue that, and obviously uh, it comes down to t- does Toronto think that offer is good enough? You know, I saw uh, a possibility of connecting Dallas to it, and I think you know it, it, and bringing in Buddy Hield, which makes sense on a lot of levels because Buddy lives in Dallas uh, these days. That's where his that's where his house is, it's sort of in the Dallas suburbs. They went and hung out there before they played the Mavericks uh, earlier this year. Uh, you know, you would think Dallas could use. Um, another outside shooter. They don't need anybody that's going to be sort of ball dominant with, with uh, Irving and, and Luca. They could use somebody to kind of play off uh, of those two, and, and that makes sense to kind of space things out for those guys. Um, so that's a trade that makes sense to me. Now, obviously, there's, there's going to be other pieces involved in that. Are those other teams going to have uh, better options? But, I mean, I I think you've got to consider it a very real possibility that, that they push for that, and I, I think that's a trade that would make sense. Will they do it? Will they pull it off? Uh, will they ultimately decide that that is in their best interest? I don't know, but I mean, I, that, that seems like a credible credible possibility to me at least.
0: Is OG Ananobi a good enough player where you say that's a good, tra- good enough trade for the seventh pick? And, and let me say this before I even let you answer it. I I always kind of chuckle at the way that you know va- draft picks get overvalued because you always think, well, I'm mm. I'm going to hit on every draft pick. It's it's what well I right. do. It's 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 my job. I always laugh at the fact that Marshall Falk netted Mike Peterson and Brad Schioli. Different sport, 25 years ago, but we always mm. overvalue draft picks. And at the same time, is OGN and Ob worth the seventh pick in the draft? Yeah, I mean,
3: the reason why I say it's possible, like you, you could talk me into it. I'm not sure. Um, But, like I said, if it's between Walker and Hendricks, and I think those guys are really good and they have a lot of high potential, but, again, you're looking for the the driving force behind both of them is defense. Uh, Is is, is that they can become really good multi-positional defenders. Um, And so – if, if that's really, if, if, you know, you have to look at who is actually going to be on the board. Now, it's possible the board shakes up. Uh, you know, you're seeing, I think, reports out there that Cam Whitmore has uh, not done all that great in his workouts, and that there's a chance that the Pistons pass on him, and maybe they take Walker. And then you maybe you're looking at Whitmore and Hendricks, or it depends on what Orlando does. Uh, are you looking maybe at Whitmore and, and Osar Thompson, and, and those are a couple guys that were maybe higher ceilings that you could say, all right. But you also see the possibility of whiffing on them, where I think Walker and Hendricks, I think you can trust are going to be really, really good role players. They might not ever be all-stars, but because of their, uh, you know, because of their defensive capacity, they have a chance to be just really terrific role players that that stick around for a long time as as really, you know, top-level defenders. So I guess, again, you know, I, I, I at least strongly consider it. Um, because obviously, I think I know he still has room to grow, and he's showing just how well he can defend multiple positions, how well he can create offense for you uh, on the defensive end. Uh, you know, he's one of the, I think he led the league in steals this year you have to think about it. And, and then they really had to get better on defense. And, you know, I think we asked uh, – I asked Kevin Pritchard this after the lottery you know, about how much he was going to focus on defense. And he said, you've got to realize that, you know, one guy as a rookie isn't going to be able to change your team very much on defense because they got to learn how to play it at this level. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, they were in 29th, and he said, you know, you're not going to be a great defensive team. He says, we, we, if, if we could just move up to just be a middling defensive team, uh, we can, I can go a long way. Just because how how good they are on offense, and I think you have a much better chance of, a, of an established guy, uh, you know, just changing your direction quickly. And you know, I don't obviously they don't need to operate as if they need to win big next year, but I think it does make sense for them to say, "Hey, we'll get you in the playoffs. We'll get you started uh, along this track because this this team, this group, could really get there. Could really use that experience and sort of get." <laughs> Get into that world of being a postseason team. Get a better sense of what it needs to actually win at that level, but it needs to get there first. Um, so, you know, I, 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 is it worth it? I mean, it's—I I, don't—I wouldn't say for sure, but all I'm sort of saying is, it's credible. I don't think it's crazy to think.
0: Uh, are those your sources in the background, by the way?
3: Oh yeah, Matt. <laughs> Maxine's super connected uh, in, in in the NBA world. She's
0: she's got all she's got all kinds of information. Maxine bark twice. Right. If A trade's <laughs> coming. Maxine bark twice. Go ahead. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Okay, good. Maxine has happen. weighed on on, on the uh, subject. Dustin Depairag yeah. joining us. Greg Rake straw fan. Midday show ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan. Last time that you and I talked, right at the end of of the season, you know the conversation was much more about all right. You know there's there's thirteen fourteen kind of guaranteed contracts for next year already. You're not going to have that. You know, so, some pieces are, are going to be moved. Obviously, that starts to unfold next week and, and the week after, after the draft. But, you know, kind of any any more thoughts on, on you already mentioned healed, but McConnell, Tice, one of Smith, Jackson, Duarte, um, any, anything different from the last time we had this conversation in terms of most likely to be voted off the island?
3: Yeah, I mean, I haven't I haven't seen a whole lot out there as far as, or heard a whole lot out there, or who's more movable, and I think as we talked before, I mean, I think you have to try to move Daniel Tice if, if somebody will take him. You have to try to, you know, put him in a package there someplace. You know, I don't know that they're ready to make a decision between Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, but I, I imagine if somebody said, I really want this guy and I'm willing to give you something uh, for him, then, you know, they'd be willing to move that, but I mean, I, I don't think you can bring all three of them back, um, and I think Tice is the one that makes the most sense to move, obviously, He's older, um, but and I, but I do think, still think that that he's somewhat you know attractive to uh, to a team that's that has hopes. I mean, I, I think you saw him be really valuable uh, for Boston in its uh, in its finals run. Uh, last season, and I think he can still do all those things. I mean, I think you know obviously they didn't get him a lot of playing time, but in the seven games he played, I thought he showed he's still the same guy. He's still the Daniel Tice uh, that you remember. I think if you're a Celtics fan, you know of, of a guy that can just, you know set some bone rattling screens, rebound, defend reasonably well, pass. You know, he's, he's not a you know major impact dynamic player, but he does what you need at that position as a backup five. You know, with some muscle to him, so I think that's a guy that can move. I mean, I think um, you know I, I think. You know, Miles is kind of one you can only move if you're going to get a massive payoff. Uh, but Buddy, I think, is really attractive. And I think if they're going to make any kinds of moves, I think Buddy will probably be involved. Uh, anything that really moves the needle. The rest of them, you know, you'll, you'll kind of see. I mean, I think they've got to be willing to uh, move each other, you know, move a Duarte, you know, McConnell, if it makes sense. Um, but, I mean, I think for some of those guys, you know, McConnell, Neesmith, um, you know, Nemhard in particular, I think you got to make sure you're getting a pretty significant. Uh, Payoff there because, you know, it's young guys, you know, with a lot of talent in D. Smith and Demhardt's case. And, you know, McConnell, I just don't know that you're getting anyone's going to respect uh, him enough to pay you what you ought to get for him because I think, I mean, I think he still showed how much value, value he still has uh, as somebody who can really do a good job of running the second unit, still get his own offense, you know, defend well, you know, get some steals in the backcourt, uh, and just provide some this veteran leadership. I mean, he's a valuable guy, and I don't know that uh, you'll get. Uh, on the dollar what you should, I I guess. I I mean, I just feel for a guy with his size and everything else, I don't know that he'll he'll get you as much as uh, he can just provide to you as a player. So, I mean, you know, I I would be surprised if they move him. But, you know, I I think just, again, everybody really past Turner on the list has to be up for consideration with any packages they're going to do.
0: If I said the Pacers' starting lineup in mid-October would be this, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Aaron Niesmith, Benedict Matherin, OG Ananobi, Miles Turner, is that a realistic thought that that could happen?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's realistic. I mean, again, I don't know that it's certain, uh, but it's a realistic possibility. But I mean, I think there, there, I think you could see some more movement beyond that, um, and. Yeah, but I mean, I think that's real. If you have Mather at the two, Mason at the three, and it'll be at the four, I mean, those are some pretty good wings. The one thing you don't have there is you don't have a ton of perimeter shooting, so I think they would try to add somebody else. Uh, if, if if indeed that means they're moving heels uh, right. uh, and then he's no longer a part of it. Um, I think that's one thing that they're going to have to consider is make sure they've got wing shooting. Obviously, Halliburton can shoot it, um, but you need somebody who spaces the floor for him uh, and keeps the defense out of the middle of the floor uh, to allow him to operate. So I think that's really important. Uh, that gravity that Buddy creates is a big deal. So I think if they do get if they do get Ananobi and if they do move on for heeled, if they do do that trade, I think they have to find somewhere else um to to get a shooter and i think you know obviously if they move seven uh i think that they're also obviously looking to move 26 29 and 32 but if they move seven i think they have to make sure they draft somebody uh out of that three uh use at least one of those picks and get somebody who can be a role player and preferably uh an outside shooter at that position
0: just what is thursday night going to look like for you I guess I'm waiting to find out. I mean, I haven't covered
3: a draft like this in terms of covering a team uh, directly. Um, so, you know, I've obviously covered as, as a college beat writer for years, looking at, you know, is this one guy I, got, I cover going to go, and if so, where? Um, so, I mean, I know we're going to be uh, holed up at Gainbridge someplace. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where they're going to have us, and we'll, but you know, we'll just be trying to keep up with everything that happens. And obviously, there's a chance that something happens before then. Um, so, you know, we're going to stay on the phones. We're to just keep checking in with as many people as we can to find out uh, what's really going on here over the next you know, 72 hours or so. All
0: right, uh, Dustin, as always, buddy, thanks for the time. Go catch up with Maxine. I appreciate the time and the insight. Yeah, will do. Thanks so much, Greg. I hope his dog's just smell like, you know, running crazily around like town, you know. Her make made noise and she got silent all of a sudden. So I was a little concerned about that. Jimmy, what do you think about Buddy Heald being on the move? I'm not, I'm not sure I like that for this team. But again, I understand and it's part of the idea of exactly where are you? Okay. Because we're we're all giddy and thinking, hey, this this seems gonna be pretty good. They were not a playoff team. I mean, there's only five teams in each conference that don't make the playoffs in any form, and the Indiana Pacers were in that group. And I know his contract expires at the end of next year, but I, I, you know the, the the qualities that Buddy brings, you just heard when I said, All right, if this is your starting five, you bring out a game of and you go, Well, there's not enough shooting there. I'm like, well, that's what Buddy Heel does. So I'm I'm and and again, knowing you've got so many young guys, I kinda wanna have a couple of veterans like between he and Miles to kind of show these guys the ropes. So I'm I'm not sure if I'm a fan of 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 a potential trade involving Heald. what say you?
4: The only thing that makes me hesitant about moving Heald is what you just mentioned about having veteran depth on yeah. this team. That has been thought about as something they might do with those second round picks is trade to bring in a veteran to add even more leadership here with a young core. And staying at seven, but with where this team's direction is in three, four, five years, I don't view Buddy Heald as untouchable or somebody I would not be willing to move. No, it, it would be a price, but
0: and there is, I I would be, and and again to to develop the young guys, I would be willing to kind of roll the dice on Buddy. If you get to February and you're not liking what you're seeing, then you move them. Okay, that it, it it's it's a different story. But I would even be willing, and and this is not the way the world works in the NBA, one of many reasons, I'm an NBA general manager, but I would be willing to roll the dice on on losing him just for cap space at the end of the year, because if I think, again, he helps my team, and he's teaching these guys what the future needs to be. And I realize that I don't think Buddy's ever played in a playoff game because of the time that he spent in Sacramento, but clearly, by all accounts, he's a really good pro, Okay. And obviously, clearly one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. For those reasons alone, I'm saying, you know what? Uh, and I want to make the playoffs this year, which clearly that is the goal. I-, I would rather have him here than be shipped off for something else. And again, if there was this amazing player you could get back, sure. That's generally not the way this works. I don't I- I'd I'd rather keep him here if I had my druthers about the situation.
4: Well, you can have your cake and eat it too in that scenario that you laid out because the biggest attraction point with Buddy Heald in my mind in the trade market is his ability to knock it down from outside. And even though he hasn't been in the playoffs before, he's always been linked to championship contending teams at every turn since he's been here when he's been in the trade rumor mill. You could hold him until the deadline, still get something back for him rather than play out the entirety of the year and risk having him walk for nothing.
0: Um, I, I touched on this, uh, Dustin touched on it. What do you think? Again, as much as I think OJ and a really good player, would love to see him here. And again, this kind of goes against what I normally think. Uh, I'm not, I'm not the LA Rams and blanking them picks. I tend to say, Hey, listen, um, l- l- let's not overvalue draft picks. Maybe it's the stat that I threw out that this team did not have a top 10 pick that they took for 30 something years. Now they have them in back-to-back years. I tend to think that Matherin at 6 was a really good pick by the Indiana Pacers last year. So I tend to think, you know what, at 7, you can get a similarly talented player in terms of a guy that you think maybe isn't going to be the guy, but as a key piece going forward. So I'm reluctant to do a straight-up deal, OG for the 7. What say you? Well, you're not going to like this, because if you won't do straight-up OG and
4: 7... I don't think the Raptors would do that. Right. It's going to cost them more than the seventh pick. I mentioned it yesterday without looking at the salary cap situation of both teams. We know the Pacers have $25 million, But that's a deal that's likely including a veteran like Heald or future draft capital. I don't think it's just, hey, here's the seventh. We'd like OG because the negotiations were more, aggressive, were more aggressive a year ago or six months ago at the trade deadline to get him. Right. If you're not comfortable with seven, you're not going to be comfortable with what it's actually going to cost to get him. I think, I, I, removing the Indiana bias aside, they want right. a dominant wing player. He is still in the prime of his career. The only red flag for me is player option next season. You would need commitment from him that he's going to stay here long term. Sure. I think he's turning 26 this year.
0: Well, again, I, I I think if you make that deal, you are looking at extending yes. him yes. on a long term right. deal. So. So let's flip that. I'm going to put you in uh, whomever's running the ship in Toronto these days. Um, if, if, if it's not just the seven, what else do you want for OG Ananobi? Who, by the way, is going to make $18.6 million this coming year. And as, as a player option for just shy of 20, my guess would be, wherever he is playing, Toronto, Indiana, etc., he would turn that down to hit free agency in the open market, wherever he's going to play.
4: If they trade OG or Pascal Siakam in that scenario, by the way, Siakam si- si- coming si- here, I'm si-
0: just is si- si- a whole different b- animal. B- yep. but,
4: but but I want to outline the fact that rumor mills are Toronto's tanking. They, One of them right. will likely move this offseason. They, they are tearing it down. They're going to
0: restart. Yep. So
4: I'm not interested in Buddy Hield or right. Miles Turner. I would likely want either a couple of seconds tossed in there, yep. or I would want a first next year. That would be my asking price if I'm Toronto. I'm not saying that's the only way Indiana gets him, but it's seven this year and a first down the line would be my starting point at the negotiating table. I don't think that
0: would be that bad of an ask. I would probably say not next year's, maybe the year after, sure. you know, knowing that way well, you don't go back-to-back years without a first-round pick, even though clearly the core that you think you have is the one that is going to be in play. So, again, and, and again, that's that's not... You said it well. I'm not trying to do the IU buy. Let's bring the IU guy back home. Let's go no, no, no. to Indiana. No, I love him. I don't care where he went to college. I know a lot of you do it. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying the guy can play. But again, I also and he's young enough where
4: right. it's not right like an older veteran player that you're bringing in. Like he's still again going to be 26 this year. And I'd be comfortable with a build around of Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin. Miles Turner, OG Ananobi, like that's, that's something enticing to me to see what that is for two years.
0: And here is the other thing that I will throw out there, okay? Of, of your young pieces, you've got Benedict Matherner contract for four more years. That's taken care of. Halliburton you've got for two more years. So the big money year for, for him is twenty five, twenty six. Smith, you've got under, uh, for two more years. And again, I, I don't think he's a player that is, as of now, you're thinking he's a big money. He's kind of a, of a mid-level you know, type of player. Uh, Nemhard, you've got under contract for three more years. So in other words, you could potentially even to some degree kind of front-load a deal for OG if you could. Like, for example, Buddy Heald made $2 million more this year. Than he is going to make this coming season. You know, Miles signed that big extension. What Miles made last year dwarfs what he is making this coming year. He'll actually make a little bit less the following year. You could do something like that with OG Ananobi for next year, you know, because again, you've got so many young guys under contract for a year from now. So just some food for thought 317 239 1070 at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. From Nate. If we were one piece away, I'd be okay trading the seventh. Because we are on a rebuilding structure, the draft capital is worth way more than any trade to another team. People do not understand that whomever is pushing the trade is generally getting the worst deal. 317-239-1070, Three one seven two three nine ten seventy. 239 you want to be a part of the conversation. Again, tweet to me at Greg Rakestraw. You can always email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. We'll take this quick time out when we come back. We seem to be bouncing back and forth between Pacers' conversation, Reds' conversation. We'll do that next. First place Cincinnati Reds. And a good friend of mine is covering them on a day-to-day basis. You know her from either IU or... Uh, from uh, wish tv olivia ray these days at wlwt in cincinnati and she'll join us next Ninety-three-five-one-zero-seven-five. the fan
1: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you
0: welcome back to fan midday show Yesterday was Jimmy Cook and JB. You get me for my one day a week today. I think my day next week is next Thursday. Um, again, still, even though it's a, it's a bit of a, finally a bit of a slower time for me, a lot of things going on the full-time gig in terms of iscsportsnetwork.com. You can always check me out there. Uh, but uh, happened to be in this chair on a seemingly regular basis here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. If you're just joining us, uh, Drew Storen uh, joined us at 12.30, talked a variety of things. And he's got a whiskey signing coming up at Big Red Liquors in Brownsburg on Friday. Uh, just joined by Dustin Dopirac of the Indianapolis Star. We cannot talk enough NBA draft over the course of the next couple of days, obviously that's a big stinking deal for a team that plays their games right here on 935 and 1075 The Fan. So much so that we'll have Jeremiah Johnson on the program from Bally Sports Indiana. He'll be joining us coming up at 2 30. Little Colts conversation with Mike Chappell. And obviously, uh, we can talk all things about those first place Cincinnati Reds if you would like to. And as I told a buddy of mine who is a fan of another team. Um, I said, we're going to be obnoxious as hell about this for the next few days because we haven't had the opportunity to celebrate if you're a Reds fan for some time. You know, you had half the teams make the playoffs in 2020. You couldn't go to games to enjoy it. So the Reds were a playoff team there. But then as soon as that was over with, pretty much stripped the team, sold it for parts, and, you know, off you go. Well, the young course put together. And again, the benefit of the company in which you keep. In middle America, teams are kind of middle of the road. Three games over five hundred, get you first place. If you're in the NL Central, one game under five hundred, get you first place. If you're in the AL Central. And so, good enough for me. Reds are in first place. And have won nine consecutive games. We'll talk more about that when we can track down our friend Olivia Ray from WLWT. You know her from Wish TV. We'll see if uh, we can. Sh- she's, in fact, is answering the phone as we speak. So we'll have a chance to talk about things just down the road in I-74 coming up in a matter of moments. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy 239 At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. Hello, Olivia. How are you?
5: Hello, Greg. Good to talk to you again. It's been a minute.
0: I uh, know. It's, it's 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 not high school football or Friday night. We haven't had a conversation in a while, have we?
5: <laughs> I know. One take rake, man.
0: How are you? Uh, how are you liking life in Cincinnati?
5: Well, the sports scene couldn't be any better. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that Everyone is... told me you oh you're going to have to cover the lowly Reds this summer and right now our MLS team and the Reds both in first place. So I don't think. You can get much better than that after a Bengal season.
0: Um, you know, are, are are you are you happy that Charlie Clifford is down there with you, or you're like, oh man, it's this guy again?
5: <laughs> there may have been some uh, recruiting on my end. Charlie there you go. The third,
0: so. Well, let's talk about the Reds because um, uh, obviously, um, you know, the last couple of weeks have been just tremendous. Uh, and this has gone from zero to 60 in a hurry. You know, we were still like, well, there's this one young guy playing. Well, uh, m- m- maybe by next year they'll be contenders. Ellie De La Cruz comes up and they are setting the world on fire. What have these last 10 to 14 days been like?
5: Ellie De La Cruz was setting the world on fire beforehand. No one had just heard of him yet. He was <laughs> kind of laying low down in AAA. Um, we spent some time in Louisville with him while he was there. And. He was just insane. The issue for the Reds is they have too many infielders, which we knew that going into the season. But the last week or so has just been electric at Great American. I mean, I went from – I'd walk over on my day off and could buy a $5 ticket to sit anywhere I wanted in the ballpark. to There are 20,000, 30,000 fans every night now that are out there sitting in the rain on a Monday night. No one left the ballpark last night. Until that game was over. Um, it's just been, it's incredible. And the LA De, L.A. De La Cruz effect is quite real, I'll tell you that.
0: After just a couple of, of, of you know, times of being around him, uh, where does Joey Votto rank in terms of uh, easiest quotes, favorite people to talk to in terms of professional sports?
5: <laughs> He's an interesting cat. Um, and he fits in r- really well with that clubhouse. So everyone was worried, you know, why are we going to mess up this chemistry? And I tried to tell everyone, I'm there every day. Joey Votto is there every day, too. When he wasn't in Louisville, he was up here rehabbing. He was in the clubhouse, around the guys. Um, yeah, he he told everyone to slide in his DMs last night to ask him how he was feeling after his win. And I was like, I think we're going to want to talk to you after you go two for three in your first game back.
0: What, um, what's? I mean, again, the things you hear about him in terms of a person and his personality are tremendous. Um, the leadership role he plays in that clubhouse for such a young team, seeing with your own eyes, how would you describe that?
5: I think it's necessary. At some point, I understand these guys are playing to win right now. They expect to win. They're playing with their hair on fire. But at some point, this group of young guys, I think it's the second youngest roster in baseball, someone's going to hit a slump. They're going to need a leader. And someone who's played baseball for 18, 17 years, like Joey Votto has, he understands the highs and lows of the game, and he's going to be there to, to pull them out, of them out of the slump. He gave Ellie De La Cruz a nice piece of advice yesterday, and he said his sixth tool, since he's a five-tool talent, needs to be resiliency. You just have to keep going. You have to push through. So I think things like that are things that you just can't you can't pick up as you go um, when you're a rookie or anything like that you need someone like Joey Votto who's weathered a lot of really really bad seasons with the Reds to be able to kind of be in their ear
0: Olivia Ray, again, you know her from Wish TV these days, NBC Five, WLWT in Cincinnati. Kind of have to join us here on the Fan Midday show on 935 and 1075 the fan. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, because trust me, I want to bask in this as a Reds fan for as long as I can. But what what still concerns should Reds fans have? Because at some point in time, the streak is going to end. And for as great as this has been, there's only three games above five hundred. You know, it, when or if this team comes down to earth what would be the reason that would happen?
5: I spent my entire spring training talking about the big three, the Reds young core starters. They're all on the IL right now. And the Hunter Green news was the transactional piece with Joey Votto. He was sent to the IL with the right hip pain yesterday. He's their young ace. He was kind of like that first chess piece that moved right, from the Castellini family and Nick Crawl this season. They signed him to a long-term extension. He pitched well this week, but his first couple starts were rocky. And no one knew he was hurt. He finished the game, I think, on Saturday or Sunday, and no one knew that he was actually banged up. So um, not great to have your third starter of the big three head to the I.L. along with Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft, but – the pitching is obviously the question mark. Nick Kroll, the GM, said this week to a couple of the MLB.com reporters that he's poised to make a move if they're still contending um before the deadline, which is something that he's never said before. Right. The Reds have always as you know, have always been sellers and he's he's ready to be a buyer. So, if they could I know every team in the league right now is looking for some pitching coming from a Cardinals fan here. Um but that's that's where it's at right now, and that's funny because that's what we thought the strength of this team was going to be. Listen, the closer, it, no issues there.
0: True, it's it's okay to drop that Cardinals fan line here in Indianapolis. You're on somewhat neutral ground. Don't say that part out loud in Cincinnati. Just a heads up. Keep keep that on the down low. It's probably probably best for career wise for you. Just as a heads up.
5: My parents came to the Cardinal Series a couple weeks ago, and they went to the game with me, and I made them walk 10 feet back. To the <laughs> <head. It's
0: good. laughs> Mom and dad, I'm a public figure. You can't be doing this to me like this. <laughs> I know where you're from. I, I, know, where that, I know where that Cardinal's love uh, kicks in for you, and that's more than understandable. Um, all right, so you, you mentioned spring training. What was it like covering that for the first time?
5: So I didn't actually get to make the move down there. My my old boss here in Cincinnati, the one Charlie Clifford stepped in for, um, he was on his way out on that week. That was his 42nd year in the business. So that was his retire retiring week. So yeah. we uh, sent him off here in town. Our photographer was down there in Arizona or out there in Arizona. Um, so I was just taking in all of the information and virtually interviewing people, but Pretty incredible just to be around the guys also just all off season and everything here. Um, Votto was here most of the time, as you said, and he's, he's an interesting character. He's always, I I'm really tired of running social media as news, but when Joey Votto is on a team you're covering, he loves to put things on his Instagram and his Twitter that you have to run as sports news. Um. But, yeah, it's, it's been a, quite the ride, and I didn't expect this. I'll tell you that.
0: All right, so you, you guys, and you touched on it briefly. I want to d- d- go back to, again, it's a great problem to have. You have two dueling stories that are pretty captivating right now. The Reds are all of a sudden good. The same thing for FC Cincinnati. Again, this is their fifth year in Major League Soccer. They were a playoff team last year. They're like the best team in MLS. Uh, you know, at the midway point of the season, before this huge break that's coming up for the League's Cup, and you guys are getting important matches, like this dude named Lionel Messi is going to show up uh, and play at your place for the Open Cup coming a couple of months from now. What's it like having these two things happen simultaneously?
5: It doesn't matter if Leo shows up or not, the TQL Stadium matches are sold out every single week. Every single match at home has been sold out for FC Cincinnati. I'm talking twenty five, twenty thousand 20,000 show up there. I'm talking 20,000, 30,000 at Great American Ballpark. It's it's incredible. Uh, the other Tuesday night, Charlie and I went to Bengals minicamp, and then we split up. Charlie went live down at Great American Ballpark, and I was live outside the U.S. Open Cup at TQL Stadium. And I'm like, where are these people coming from? If that's not a good day at work. I don't know what is. I mean, we had all three pro sports in one day, but it's it's pretty incredible. It's this is supposed to be the off season, so I'm not going to look well rested once football rolls around. But I'm not complaining because there's never lack of stories to tell here.
0: See, so, so off season for you gets to be from like the time the Bengals playoff run ends until spring training sometimes that might be six or seven weeks sometimes that might be three uh, it, it's it's a little bit of a, of, of a different change of pace finally before we let you go uh, other than hanging out with me on friday nights what do you miss most about indianapolis
5: i missed the month of may yeah hardcore if you guys follow me on twitter you know i'm a big racing fan so luckily i landed at an nbc affiliate so i still get paid to watch indycar races on the weekends, which is nice and have an excuse to talk about them, but definitely missed being out at the track every day and, and talking about race car drivers driving in a circle. Um, it was really fun for me being a Hoosier, born and raised and everything, but uh, I can't say I'm complaining about the scene here. I also got to a nice taste of Xavier basketball on a March Madness run, too, too, so I even got my uh, basketball taste as well yeah. and i still make it back to iu every week i teach still at iu so i was gonna say it's it's not,
0: it's, it's not that far from trip across us 50 you can get there pretty quickly uh <laughs> from where you are in, in downtown i love you it is great to catch up with you enjoy this as best you can and thanks for taking some time today
5: thank you come out for a game soon rake
0: uh, I, I, uh, uh july 20th so i can warn you to take a day off i think i'm coming down for the thursday 12 35 start against the giants so july 20th put it down in
5: pen I will. All
0: right. See you, kiddo. Thank you. You got Olivia Ray. Kind enough to join us again. Uh, I had a chance to work with her on Wish TV. And so I would see her or Charlie or AC every Friday night before we would, um, you know, do our, our high school football game. I'd make a couple of appearances on the Wish TV news. And so hence the one take rake reference would be basically when I got to the stadium I'd go find the photog and go find whatever the talent is. They would put a microphone on my face. I'd look at them off camera and they'd say, tell us something about tonight's game. And I'd spit off 30 seconds and that was done and dusted and they could move on to the next site. And I go up to the press box. We do that one time. Never need a rehearsal. Just start yapping. And I could speak to enough time to make sure that uh, it fit and hence the reference that was made at the beginning of the conversation we'll take this quick time out Mike Chappell two o'clock hour Jeremiah Johnson coming up at about 2 30 your phone calls your text if you know the bad phone uh, tweets and emails when we come back fan midday show 93.5 and 107.5 the fan <laughs> Thanks for having me on this Tuesday afternoon. Greg Rakestraw is my name. Phone lines are open. Dial us up now, 317-239-1070. Tweet to me at Greg Rakestraw. You can go old school email to greg at 107thefan.com. As I also say, uh, you can also me up on the bat phone if you have that. Text machine has been going off uh, at times during the course of the show. Drew Storen, Dustin DiPirac, Olivia Ray on the podcast page, if not now soon, 1075thefan.com. Mike Chappell, next segment, we'll talk Colts again. It is the rare period of downtime where you don't want to hear news about the Indianapolis Colts, at least us talking about it's one thing uh, in terms of news breaking about the Indianapolis Colts, That's the part you don't want to hear. We'll talk to Chappie coming up at 2. And then Jeremiah Johnson as we get back to talking more NBA draft with the draft rolling around on Thursday night. Our topics pretty much have been Reds and Pacers. But if there's something else that you want to discuss, feel free to dial us up now. Would love to hear from you. As is always the case, I tend to be the high school sports guy. I tend to be the soccer guy on the program So those two things are always um, up for debate. And knowing that Jimmy Cook is also the soccer guy, one of the first conversations we had off microphone today was the fact that it has been announced when the debut of Lionel Messi with Inter-Miami will be. And yes, they are coming to play um, down at FC Cincinnati for the U.S. Open Cup, I want to say, on August 23rd. That is a Wednesday night. That is the U.S. Open Cup semifinals. Uh, but he's going to make his debut in the Leagues Cup, which is the new event between Major League Soccer and Liga MX. He's the Mexican League, for those who don't follow. They're going to have a big tournament uh, that will take uh, end of June, most of July, into early August. They're going to make that debut a home match against Cruz Azul coming up on July 21st. If you want to get tickets, too late. They've already all been bought. Seriously, I mean, like, like every potential match has already been bought. And I would imagine that some teams will start to look for some bigger venues. Now, not all, because most teams in Major League Soccer kind of own their venue at this point. But the ones that could potentially go to a football stadium, like Inter-Miami, which is playing in a temporary facility in Fort Lauderdale, just down the road is Hard Rock. Could be some matches there. And I know that, I said this last time I was on in talking about this that subject, um, the Chicago Fire play at Soldier Field. I would think there might be some upper decks opened up for that. Maybe they've already sold 70,000 tickets. It's certainly possible. I could be wrong. So, uh, for for Jimmy, there's your soccer fix for the day right there. If you want to talk more, dial us up now. Eddie wants to talk about the Pacers. Hello, Eddie. How are you? Hello. Yes, sir. After three months of being
6: on
2: the trade machine online, I figured I'd share my best option with you. All
6: right, please.
0: Fire away. All
2: right. All right. Keep the seventh pick. Uh, Get Jairus Walker. Get your power forward right there. Um. The Suns want Turner, I believe. So go ahead and swap uh, Turner for Aiton. Uh, so you got two big guys there. I think you know, help with their rebounding and their toughness and then do whatever you got to do to get Kaminga, your small forward. I'm sure uh, uh, Duarte and Buddy Hill would fit in well in, in Golden State. So we've got Kaminga, small forward, Walker, at power forward, and Aiton up center. What do you think?
0: Um not terrible Eddie thanks the telephone call uh Pacers I made a run for DeAndre Ayton last year which netted DeAndre Ayton uh four years and 140 million dollars so you can have DeAndre Ayton taking up 100 million dollars of cap space for the next three years or you could have Miles Turner he already knows your system you know we, we've kind of figured out this is what he does He's a rim protector. He spaces and stretches the floor. You've got him for two years and about $40 million. I'm probably going to take the guy that's two years and $40 million over the guy that's three years and $100 million. Even though DeAndre Ayton's a, a little bit younger, but maybe not as much younger as you think he would be. So I'm going to say no on, on leg two of the deal. On Jarrus Walker, I'm okay with Jairus Walker at 7. He's the name that has been mentioned the most. Now in terms of Golden State who needs to generate some cap space in whatever way they can. Kaminga has three more years left on his rookie deal. Um, So getting him in here would be interesting and there is talk that Golden State is looking to move him and there can never be enough shooting for Golden State given how they play but I'm not sure they're in the market for Buddy Heald's contract for one more year because they're going to have to invest money in Draymond Green and by the way the money that Golden State has on the books for next year is over 200 million Jordan pulls at 28 mil Green will come off of the books but likely to go back on Wiggins is at 24 million, Clay's at 43 on the last year of his deal. And of course, Steph has three more years left on a max deal. So I'm I'm not sure that Golden State is, is the place to look at that. And I'm not sure that um, they'd be looking for Chris Duarte at this point either. In other words, like you could trade them two or three pieces for Kaminga. You could trade them a couple of draft picks for Kaminga. You're not trading them the number seven pick for him. But thank you Eddie for the for the phone call and thank you for you know doing a little show research for us in terms of being on the trade machine for the course of of the last 3 months. Again there's not not this huge free agent market Pacers the Pacers have room to absorb a contract to some degree with that 25 million in cap space. And again part of the conversation we were having earlier do you move the number 7 pick for a guy like an OG Ananobi. You know, OG's got one more year under contract and he's got a player option, which again, whether he's in Toronto, whether he's in Indianapolis, whether he is in any of the other 28 NBA markets, I would think he's opting out. So if you made a move like that, you also have to reach an agreement on him to extend that virtually immediately. He's a piece that would fit here. I you want to give up the seven and maybe even another pick or another asset in which to do that. Again, I, I, Jimmy said it very well. I don't think that the Raptors were looking to take on Buddy Heald's deal. But it's kind of funny because you know we, we rarely have Raptors talk here on The Fan, but it's kind of flipping through the Twitterverse uh, during one of the last kind of breaks in the show. Gary Trent is going to stay in Toronto and they're looking to put together not a max deal, but a long-term deal for him. And so while... The assumption is they're going to be in rebuild mode in Toronto because Fred Van Vleet is now going to hit the market. Um, you know, and Pascal Siakam's got one more left from that deal. But Gary Trent Jr. had an option for $18.5 million. And he's going to pick it up. And then Toronto's going to look to maybe try to, I wouldn't say build around him, but build with him as part of things in Toronto. So thanks for the phone call, Eddie appreciate it. 317-239-1070. Tweet to me at Greg. Greg Straw, Email the program to greg at 1070thefan.com. My thought has been for the Pacers. Again, my preference has been keep the seven pick. Find a way to get another veteran in here. Maybe those two things can't coexist. And again, a veteran that I think is your third or fourth offensive piece going forward. Because clearly Halliburton's your one. You're hoping that Matherin turns into your kind of second or third score. Again, the skill set that Ananobi has is fantastic for what you need. But do you have to give up the seventh pick to get him? Probably specifically for him, you probably do. Much as I don't want to, you probably do. But is there somebody else out there that you could bring in and still Keep that number seven. And I realize you have to trade something of value to get it back. And maybe the best example I can give you is when the Pacers brought in Thaddeus Young. When they wanted a veteran instead of a first-round pick, whatever it was, five, six, seven years ago, that pick turned into Karis Levert. I think that was the number 20 pick in the draft when that move was made. So could you get a piece like that not not that type of player, but kind of that level of impact. Solid starter, played a role for you, was a key piece, was not going to be the guy. Was part of the core, was not going to be the guy. We well, had to give them our 20 pick to get that. Does 26, 29, and or 32 net you that? Maybe. Is it one of those picks in like a future number one? Maybe. Or do you use that number seven and then another potential number one to bring in an Ananobi? And then because of that, do you lock that guy up on a long-term deal? So those are some of the discussions. That's some of the considerations uh, that you can be having as a fan and I guarantee you conversations probably much more complicated than that are taking place in the Pacers front office between now and Thursday night. 317-239-1070 is the telephone number at Greg Rakestraw uh, on Twitter. Email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. More Pacers conversation bottom of the upcoming hour with Jeremiah Johnson of Bally Sports Indiana. But a little bit of Colts conversation and I'm sure a little bit of Beach Grove mixed in there too. Mike Chappell. Now of CBS 4 and Fox 9, the Dean entering his 40th season of Colts coverage. He gets some downtime. So do the Colts. He'll still join us next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I would think this is an apropos choice of music for our next guest, that Mike Chappell has enjoyed some Bob Seeger over the course of his lifetime. Is that an accurate statement, sir?
7: I'm sitting here having lunch with Bob as we speak.
0: <laughs> How are you, buddy? Good how about you? I'm good. Um you got like 5 weeks off. What are you doing?
7: Well, I got some uh body maintenance going on. Got a hip surgery going tomorrow, so I'll be out of contact for about 3 or 4 weeks.
0: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm uh, first of all, uh, best thoughts and wishes. I do? Uh, and and uh, and so do we see like a a new and nimble Mike Chapel when training camp starts in about a month or so?
7: Yeah, and nim- nimble's uh, down the road. I just, <laughs> just want to be where I can Get from point A to point B and and not uh, a, a, a as easy as possible. I'll put it that way.
0: Do we? Do you already have golf cart service lined up for the <laughs> arduous walk from the media center to the practice field?
7: You know, it, 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 if I did that, I would be the butt of so much ridicule. Forget from that old, from from the media guys. That I probably wouldn't do that. But it, I, I do look sometimes for a chair to sit occasionally. Rick Venturi and I try to find a cart to sit in occasionally, but uh, hey, you got to tough it up, and you know you gotta gotta do what you gotta do. Dude,
0: when you've been there since '84, uh, you get that preferential treatment, and 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 nobody's gonna say boo about it. So,
7: the yeah, obvious—I no, tell you, I tell you—Mac Contini's guys are are great to work with. Yep. They do what they can, but. I got to, you know, at certain, you know, some level I got to do what I can do or it's time to not do it.
0: Understood. All right. So with that, um, the one bit of news that we're all kind of waiting on is the Isaiah Rogers news. Any inclination as to a timeline when something's going to be handed down?
7: No, it'll be a Friday at 5 o'clock. I guess the only question is what week. Uh, I didn't get on it, but there was a uh, conference call with the league, the, the, their guy and. and Writers across the country on on their gambling and just on what they do to, to to deal with players, the education aspect. I mean, and I saw the like six or seven points that they give these guys and doggone it! I realize there might be some confusion. You know, the teams are in bed to some extent with, with with sports books, and you got a team in Vegas, but some of these things are just so you know, duh, you're not supposed to do these things. So uh I I, I have a real real hard time when when the fan base some of the fan base says, Well maybe they didn't know, maybe Isaiah didn't know what well, let me see, he allegedly bet from the team complex, bet on the NFL, and bet on the Colts. I mean, what 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 you know part of that did you think was okay? Right. Which, which probably, which not probably, which tells you the extent of, I I guess the addiction, the pull. I've gambled. I mean, I, you know, I I worked with Robin Miller for a long time, so you know, (laughs) you know, and there is there is an an unquestionable buzz that goes along with it. There is, and it's funny that at some point when I get to know Robin is he never cared about did Team A win. It's did they cover. And it took me a little bit of time to understand what he was talking about. Well, that's, that's what game care about. They don't care if you team won or not. Did they cover? So it, it's it's unfortunate. I, I hate it for the kid. He had the, the world by the tail. I mean, he was due $2.7 million this year that's gone. If he played well, he was going to get a a good contract, decent contract, moving forward. I mean, generational financial security if you take care of things. And and now his future is is a total blur. He he. he I, I would assume the Colts cut him when when things when things uh, are resolved. And then who knows? I would anticipate at least an indefinite suspension. And indefinite is, you know, that's what it means. It means you'll come back sometime, maybe. So uh, I, I I hope it's resolved soon, just so that it's not lingering. But I just, it, it's unfortunate that this is the news to, to to some degree, locally anyway. Nationally, I think it's reported on and then they, everybody moves on to something else. But locally, this is a big deal. This is a a young kid, it's a... What was he, a 6th round pick a few years ago and mm-hmm. was going has been a player was going to probably given be given every chance to start this year and it's just unfortunate for the team but certainly for him
0: All right so uh, literally we've had these conversations in some form chapter for 25 years um, the guys that that tend to be uh, on the street right now are there for a reason. Uh, I can hear you saying just another guy. Yeah. Um, but but you kind of need to have bodies at this point at that spot yeah. if you're the Colts. So does a move get made before training camp?
7: I, I would I would like to think so. Again, to say that they're just guys, there are guys that are more than just guys. I mean, y- y- you know, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and, and Dalvin Cook, there are guys, there are really, but they're out there for a reason too. Either too expensive, or in their case, or, or other guys that are either coming off injuries or whatever. I would like to see a corner signed, just a veteran guy, not not just a bot I mean, but, but somebody that you know, the, the Mike Mitchell type guy. Uh, several years ago, Mike Adams, and he ended up being a really really good player. Now he was signed right before mini camp, if I if I remember. Uh, but bringing a guy that can 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 be a voice in the locker room. This is a very very young receiver group. Kenny Moore essentially is the only one that's played and started to any extent. The rest of them are learning. I mean, you, you know, you're, you're we, we already expected Juju Brintz to start, and keep in mind he didn't practice. He hasn't practiced yet because of that wrist surgery. And Darius Rush. He he didn't practice much at all. I think he may have gotten hurt in, in rookie minicamp. So it, it it's never ideal when a player misses offseason work, but it's really not ideal when it's a rookie and you're expecting those guys, certainly Juju Brent, and I think they were expecting Darius Rush as well. But now Darius Rush is, is going to be even more more so accelerated. In, in getting up to speed, so it, it, it's just unfortunate. And of all the positions, you know, excluding it being a major play, a, a, a super frontline player, cornerback is the one area they really could ill afford to have this happen. Uh, they were going to be young at that position. Now they're really going to be young at that position.
0: What are the mileposts you're looking for? for Anthony Richardson this year. Last week when I was in this chair and after you and I had the conversation that we did, um, I basically said, folks, I said, here's the ridiculously high bar that was set, not as terms of careers for Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Here's the numbers that they put together. We don't know if Anthony's going to get 17 starts. We think he's going to get the majority of 17 starts. In other words, if he's not in there in week one, he'll be in there at some point in time sooner rather than later. What are the things that you are looking for, whether it's numbers, eye test, et cetera? What are the things you're looking for to see from him during the course of his rookie year?
7: Just that it's not too big for him, you know, and it's crazy to say that about the fourth overall pick, but you you can't get away from the fact that he's played 13 games at a high, at a high level of competition. That's not very many, uh, and I don't – we we all made a big deal about his progress in OTAs and mini camp and you know, charting this, that, and the other. And Kevin Bowen and George Bremer and Joel Harrison and all the star guys were doing that, but that's because that's what you do. You know, James Boyd did the same way, but but we just did that because that's what you do. We're going to see in training camp where he is, and I wrote about a little bit yesterday. Is I think we're going to find out in training camp how the coaching staff, how Steichen and, and Jim Bob Cooter feel. And it's one thing to kind of share reps 50-50 during the off-season. Let's see how they do in training camp. And, you know, I, I guess the more 50-50 it is, the more they really don't know what they have. If they believe that Richardson is, is possibly going to be ready to start the opener, boy, don't you need to give him as many first team reps as possible cuz it, it is different first team second team just is, is. cuz you're out there with Kelly in the offensive line the starting offensive line as opposed to the backup guys so i want to see th- that's what's going to tell me a lot is how does he handle himself and does he look like he know what he's doing is he improving is we're, we're going to be harping on the completion percentage until it's not an issue you can't play the NFL completing fifty three percent of your passes. Can't do it, right? I mean, what what what's I think Frank's standard was like sixty five percent, sixty six percent, right? Because because this is an efficient based league where you have to keep the chains move on and occasionally strike big, but you know, in, in third down, red zone, we're going to get a better idea, maybe not by our eye test on what we see and, you know, a bad throw and whatever, I think the coaching staff will tell us, you know, w- w- where he's at, Richardson, by, by again, his, his exposure with the first group. And if we're three weeks into training camp and it's still 50-50 or whatever, then then what makes us think over the, over the next two weeks he's going to take that big jump? So I, I, I've said that I thought as long as I thought the decision would be up to whether if Richardson has to prove he's not ready to start. Right. And if that's the case, you don't throw him out there. But, boy, if he's doing what you want, if he's running things, yeah, he's missing passes. But if he's got a grasp on the offense, if he can get in the right protections and avoid the really bad plays, I don't see the downside to starting him. I mean – it, this is going to be a tough year anyway, as far as record. You know, I, I guess I saw Vegas at, at six and a half. That's a pretty good number because I, I think that's about what I expect from him. But, but look at that schedule, and, you know, it, it's the AFC South and it's the NFC South, and that, those are two bad divisions. They just are. And I think this division, or the, the schedule is, is well, I think it's the fourth easiest in the league with, compared, you know, with the last year's records. And there are some winnable games, although you know at the same time, the teams they're playing see Indy as a winnable game. So uh, we're going to see how how I guess strong the overall roster is because I think there are some winnable games. As bad as things were, I mentioned as bad as things were last year, all the chaos and all that, they should have won seven or eight games without even batting an eye and without changing anything. Right. So if they can just get solid play, winnable play at, at quarterback, nothing nothing. 30 touchdowns and 10 interceptions or something like that, but just make the plays and do things you should do and add something to the run game, And I, I think it could be pretty good. But it's just going to be, do they think that Richardson is ready enough because, you know, Minshew's going to be more ready to start. I, 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 how can he not be? But, but is Richardson far enough along that – you don't have veterans saying, "What in the hell is he doing out there?" <laughs> right? Because he's not. Because you know, players know. Players know whoever's out there isn't out there. So I'm really curious at training camp. Is you know, how are they treat? How are they handling this kid, rep wise? And if it's fifty fifty most of the training camp, then to me it leans towards Minshew. But but if at some point the rookie is getting more of the reps, it tells me that they believe he's far enough along to really accelerate his progress and perhaps to perhaps start in that September opener.
0: Again, Mike Chappell, CBS 4, Fox 59, the Dean. Joining us here on the Fan Midday Show, Greg Rakestraw, your host today, 93.5 and 107.5, the Fan. If I just throw out Braden Smith, Shaquille Leonard, Quentin Nelson, it would not take you long to figure out that not just draft picks in 2018, but guys that also got extensions right before camp began over the course of the last couple of years – um, is Jonathan Taylor going to join that club in a month or does this get drawn out till mid season, off season, et
7: cetera? I hope it's not off season because then, then maybe his price goes, if he has a good year, his price goes up because he sees free agency right there. I, I tend to think it gets done. And, and we did, you know, we all talked to JT last week and we all wrote about it and, he, he, he's in such a bad situation because because the position is devalued. It is right or wrong. It is you know. With, with I, I, I looked at all the guys who were given the extensions and, and haven't haven't played through the extension with Elliott and even McCaffrey. People forget McCaffrey was given the monster extension and for two years he couldn't he didn't play. He played like ten games. So I, I think it gets done. I tend to think it'll be a shorter thing. Uh, the, the, the Nick, I, I keep going back to the Nick Chubb extension was like three years, thirty-six point six million, yeah, twenty million guaranteed. I think it'll be more than that. Needs, I, I think he, he, he has more value to the team than Chubb does with Cleveland, and Chubb's really valuable. So I think it gets done. It makes sense. You've got a young quarterback, and I realize you can make. Taylor play. You know, if, if they wanted to just play really hardball, you have make him play on his, his his base salary is like $4 million, I think, this year. And if you wanted to be really, really hardball, then you you franchise him for two years. But the message that sends to the rest of your team is not good. So, I think they get something done. Three years feels right. I mean, longer than that, you know, the, Adrian, Adrian James that didn't get a second contract from these guys. You know, he had a longer rookie contract. So I think three years works, and maybe it's really two years on, on real money. And then after the third – or in the third year, you kind of reevaluate. But it needs to get done because he's one of your own. He's he, he's, he's played well, led the league in rushing, and had the best season by any Colts running backs. I mean, he did. So I, I think it gets done. Hopefully before training camp, that it's not that distraction. Michael Pittman. It's funny how we we never mentioned Michael Pittman. Right. He's up. He's up too. And to me, his is more m- more interesting because he's a receiver. Is he a one? Is he a two? And receivers get a ton more money than running backs do. So that's going to be more interesting. We need to get JT done.
0: Before we let you go, and you just kind of touched on it, going from JT to Pittman. When you have a brand-new quarterback, then you have a gambling story. Uh, There's only so much airtime, media time available to talk about, you know, different discussions, issues to fix, question marks, et cetera. But if we look back at the way last year played out, one of the first things we would do would say the offensive line was nowhere near good enough. Yep. And it's the same five dudes that finished the year. They're going to sure be the is. one that, that that are that are you know the day one starters in training camp, and knock on wood, they're the day one starters come the second week into September as well. We'll have a better answer of this in July and August. I acknowledge that, but what tells you they will be better in 2023 than they were in 2022?
7: <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I mean, well, blind faith, blind trust. I don't know. Uh, I, I can't. It, it's hard for me to to remember or imagine. An offseason where one area was so deficient and so impactful on your team, and all you added personnel wise was what's Freeland, a fourth round pick? Yeah. And Jake with a seventh round right, pick. Right,
0: right. Fourth then, pick on down. Yep, correct. Yep.
7: And then, that's it. That's it. So what it tells me is they really, really trust Tony Sperano Jr., and they, and they, Put a lot of blame on Chris Strasser. How else do you read it? I don't know how else you read it. Uh, it, It's just, it's, it was strange that, you know, we all question going with with Matt Pryor and left tackle and, and gosh, who was right guard last year? Uh, Danny Penner.
1: Yeah.
7: Without competition. And, and it didn't work two years in a row. Left tackle didn't work. And now you're, you're really expecting. Bernhard Ryman to, to, to step up, and I thought he played pretty well at the last I don't know quarter of the year. But to, to have to have nothing free agent wise and, and veteran wise to come in and I don't want to say like insurance, but but really serious competition at, at both positions. And by the way, you're expecting your three cornerstone players to to have, to have bounce back seasons. It's just it's just risky in my mind. I kept expecting them to sign a veteran lineman. I guess a swing tackle. I don't know. I always kind of figure if you if you had your two tackle spots pretty well decided and, and you, you like those guys, you, you can find guards. And I don't I don't want to get all the hate from guards, but that's that's the Howard Mudd theory, which I tend to I got, I got kind of experienced on. So I, I mean, how do you go into the season saying, yeah, they're going to be better? Based on what? The only thing that they, the only thing that changed—was the line coach. So, they have to really believe that the coaching they were getting wasn't near good enough. Yet they stuck with it all year. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, and, and again, if they don't, then what do you got? Because of all the things that went wrong last year, it's all trace of the offensive line. It, it is all—it all was, you know, pass protection, run blocking wasn't good enough, and. If you can't pass protect with a with an immobile quarterback like Ryan, you have no chance. Uh, you know, at least, you know, the, the young kid can move around, but I don't want my young quarterback running for his life for crying out loud. So it needs to be better. I hope it's better, but based on hope, I don't know where you say yeah, it's gonna be better because because what?
0: On that fu- warm and fuzzy note Hey, good, good luck with hip surgery tomorrow. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. You take care of yourself, buddy. If you uh, need something else, please let me know. we
7: Will do. Talk to you guys
0: next week. You got it, buddy. Mike Chapel. So he's out of action in terms of like being up and mobile, but he's not out of action in terms of hanging with us. That's good to know. Mike chapel again. Joining the cast list of Drew Storen, Dustin DePirac, Olivia Ray that have been on the program so far. 1075thefan.com is the website where you can find more information, where you can find the podcast, et cetera. Jeremiah Johnson slated to join us in the next segment of the program. And yes, again, the hope is that you hear kind of less... Um, You know, like I said, most Colts news that would happen between now and the end of July is not good. Usually it's, you know, somebody does something not smart off the field. Somebody got hurt working out. Here's what you want to know. What's Isaiah Rogers' suspension going to look like? So you can kind of have finality on that and and get ready, you know, for, you know, the, the need you have at the cornerback position. Or... This player has been signed to help the needed depth at the cornerback position because a young guy who's going to be one of your starters likely isn't playing for you in 2023. Keep those phone calls, those emails, those tweets coming. Jeremiah Johnson next segment. Uh, I turn it over to my colleague Derek Schultz at Thrid. I just hung out with Derek yesterday. He's in for JMV today. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Always fashionable on the Pacers' sideline, courtesy of his wife. I think the same thing holds true in the golf course. I saw him on Thursday as we both had a chance to play in the uh, Anderson St. Vincent's uh, uh, Charity Kids Classic up at Anderson Country Club, hosted by our buddy Brian Hammonds. It's Jeremiah Johnson, who joins us now at Valley Sports Indiana. How'd you hit him on Thursday?
6: Uh, well, actually, I have to lump all my golf discussion into the last week because I've played three times in the last six days, which is probably two and a half more rounds than I should be playing. So um, I don't even – I get the days all confused. Last Thursday, I was on a outstanding team, so we did all right. But uh, my game is not top-notch these days.
0: Um, it, it, it happens to all of us. Um, I, got, I had four great people that I played with. They all clearly worked very hard at their job. They had not spent <laughs> much time on the golf course. Um, if I was something close to our best player – run from our group in an outing um i had to leave with four holes left to go and i think legit i think we were at three over for the day which is not great for an outing but given our respective games was a minor miracle so clearly you got put with the right group last week
6: yeah we had a good time and then uh last wednesday i was at the pro ymca outing which is always good for me to be back in miami county And then yesterday was helping out A.C. and Teeter's treasure. So I actually woke up today with a little bit of a sigh of relief because I always have that (laughs) apprehension before an outing like that when I go to the first tee. And I may or may not know the people I'm playing with, and I just hope that first drive is – it doesn't even have to be straight. Just make solid contact so then they think throughout the round you can help them at some point. But now I'm all focused – on, oh, I think the reason you had me on, and that's an NBA draft over the next couple of days.
0: See, folks, this is even from a former Division One athlete. They get nerves uh, when it comes to uh, <laughs> uh, p- performing in, in, in such uh, charitable golf outings as well. So um, we're 48 hours or so out. Just kind of what, what's the overall thought going through your brain in, in terms of uh, what Thursday will look like for this franchise?
6: You know, I heard the beginning of your show, and I thought you brought up some really good points in that. Last year, there was so much excitement in having that sixth pick because it was a place the Pacers had not been um, in in quite some time. And to now have a second straight year with a top ten pick, I think you can be a little bit choosy. They have a lot of options, and I've kind of purposely kept a little bit of an arm's distance away from things because, uh, you know, I hate to see something and then say something. So I've just been reading and and sort of watching and, and, you know, talking to my colleagues a little bit. But I do understand pretty clearly that – With the seventh pick, there is a very good chance that there are going to be one or two players at a position of need and and guys that are are projecting to be, um, I don't know about all-stars, but really good players down the line. And so it would, to me, take a really good offer to move out of seven because I do like that idea of pairing up Benedict Matherin with another high-level prospect type of player. But I also understand the other side of it in that you have Tyrese Halliburton, and the way he bursts onto the scene and the level he is ready to play at right now, yet he needs probably some help around him, makes this offseason really important to not just build for the future but also build for the now. So I think it's going to be fascinating. The one thing we know is they will not draft five players and bring in uh, four or five. I don't even think four. I mean, I have a hard time believing four players are going to be introduced On Friday, uh, downtown Indianapolis is so often the case after the draft. You you get to meet these guys for the first time. So uh, I'm guessing two or three, but I have no idea at this point. And you don't have the roster space really to draft for. But I do think it's important to get one player, at the very least, that you're super excited about having as your core, let's say for the next eight to ten years. Because if you have a first-round pick, you've got them under your control for about that length of time and it's a really big benefit in terms of team building. Other than that, what moves they make and maybe the big moves happen in the next few days. Maybe they happen uh, after July 1st. Maybe there are teams as we saw with Phoenix that are trying to make moves prior to July 1st in the old CBA. So I can't imagine being in the in the front office and being in front of the uh, the dry erase boards that we always hear Kevin Pritchard and, and Chad Buchanan and company talk about because um, where there are plan A, plan B, plan C, they, they may have to go down the alphabet quite a bit for all of the options that could exist right now.
0: Well, let's talk about plan B or plan H, as in the initials for Buddy Heald. Um One more year in his contract. I think Buddy, I wouldn't say has been a pleasant surprise, but maybe he's been even a better player. You know, he was the second part of that trade along with Tyrese. Clearly, the, the kind of the, the two option there. But Buddy's been really good here. Um, and so because of the time you've been around the team, I'm not sitting here and ask you whether they th- they think they should move Buddy or not, but it's easy for fans to see, hey, he hit X amount of threes. He was available for almost all 82 games this year. Practice court, locker room, just overall morale, intelligence of the team. What sort of role does Buddy Hill play with this group?
6: A really important role. And I'll bring up someone else, and, and not to say that they are the same sort of personality but if I say Lance Stevenson, I hope you'll, you'll bear with me here. <laughs> Buddy Heald is not the wild card that Lance Stevenson is, but he is a unique personality, much like Lance Stevenson was a unique personality. And I thought an important personality on, you know, two different eras of Pacers teams. And so when I think about Buddy Heald, you can't have guys at all, you know, kind of act the same way and that, Uh, basically you got to have a little variety. And to me, Buddy Hield kept the locker room light when I was on the bus, whether it was coming home from a a game or going to the airport or after a shoot around, he just made it, you know, more enjoyable of a ride just because of the personality and, and the randomness and the things that he might say. And you brought up the other really important parts about his durability and his ability to shoot the three. And so I guess I'll go back to, you know, the exit interview days and some of the things that were said following the season from Rick Carlisle. And if you listen to what he had to say, to me, what happens to Buddy might be, it'll definitely be what's in the best interest of the Pacers, but it'll also be in what's in the best interest of Buddy. If you look at the team next year and how the Pacers can be their best version of themselves, maybe not early next season, but at some point in the next couple of years, it's probably Buddy healed as maybe a sixth man, a shooter off the bench, and if he wants to be here in that role, I think they would be thrilled to have him for a long time. If he thinks that he's going to be a starter, a two guard for the next three or four years, maybe it's tough. And the other thing that is up to Buddy a little bit is I think that there were probably some challenges issued that this team has to improve defensively and we're, we're not going to point fingers, but we're going to say that means everybody has to improve defensively and that includes you. So if he's willing to put in the work and commit, to being a better defender, then I think that'll go a long way as well. What if he says, you know what, I appreciate it, I think I'm a starter, maybe let's look elsewhere, then I think that could happen as well. Sure. And you have a better asset in Buddy Heald than anyone ever would have imagined when you made that trade with Sacramento. So I would like to say that it's a win-win situation with what happens to him, personally, selfishly, just because I've enjoyed being around him so much, and I do think he has really good value in the team chemistry department. Um, and, and I think while he's not best friends with Tyrese Halliburton, you feel like they're attached at the hip a little bit because of where they came from Sacramento and how they have a little bit of good-natured uh, back-and-forth ribbing for each other. Um, I would like to see him on the team moving forward, but I think it might be more up to Buddy maybe than people think.
0: All right, kind of a, a, to a similar degree, because Andrew Nembhard can be kind of a combo guard, because Tyrese Halliburton can do a variety of things, and McConnell has been so good ever since he got here can those three guys kind of coexist in the point guard spot is there enough minutes to split up for the three of them or does maybe and again it's you know Tyrese is not going anywhere Neymar's on a rookie deal does that maybe mean the writing's on the wall for TJ at some point in time sooner rather than later
6: it's a good question but uh, TJ might be the other person in terms of the chemistry department outside of you know maybe your top two players and miles and and Tyrese, you know, TJ might be the guy that kind of is important in that culture aspect as well. So um, I would hate to see both Buddy and, and TJ McConnell, even though they're your guys that are maybe a little older than the average core of the team, I'd like to see at least one of them stick around. And then to the question of Andrew Nemhard, while he exceeded all expectations and he started a bunch of games, a lot of those were at the two guard. And with where he's drafted and the future that he has with the team, I don't think he would be the type of player that would complain about having any minutes taken away um, in his second NBA season. And I think he might be the kind of person that could earn playing time in, in three guard lineups. I mean, let's say you put out Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhardt, and Tyrese Halliburton, and you see what happens with that three guard lineup at times. And injuries also are something that, that happens. So you have to have three point guards you can trust. And if they have all three of the guys that you mentioned, they'll be in a good situation. Um, I guess it'll go back to a similar answer to what you said about Buddy. I don't think T.J. McConnell wants to go anywhere, but if you have an honest discussion with him and you say, you know, depending on how things go, would you be okay if in January there may be a week or two that you're out of the rotation? Would you handle that okay? I think he would, but also I think he wouldn't just give up the minutes um, very easily. He would fight and scrap and claw just like he's done his entire career. And so I I tend to think – those are three guys that I would be surprised if they're not all back, at least for next season. And then on beyond past that, you'll just have to wait and see.
0: All right, uh, Jeremiah Johnson, of course, Bally Sports Indiana, Pacers draft night coming up on Thursday. Here will full coverage right here on 93.5 and 107.5 of the fans. And you and I have not had an on-air conversation like this in a while. Let me simply ask you your thoughts as to how things played out, because literally you do see the other 29 NBA teams during the course of the year. When you saw the Denver Nuggets, whether it was once or twice this year, did you go, that's an NBA championship level team?
6: Well, the first time the Pacers uh, played the Nuggets, if memory serves, and sometimes games can, can kind of run together, but I think Nikola Jokic got in early foul trouble, and the Pacers were having their way with the Denver Nuggets. And I still felt like early in the season, Jamal Murray was a little bit of a shell of himself. I put it at maybe, you know, 70, 80%, at least in the first month of the season. I think they played. Um, in early to mid-November. But the Pacers in that game were, were playing pretty well. They had a lot of confidence. They were surprising a lot of teams. And you built up a big lead. And then I think when Jokic came in, in the fourth quarter and just said, ah, yep, time for me to take over the game. <laughs> did. And then uh, for all the years that the Pacers have played at Denver, that's always been a challenge. It It may not have been the most raucous of environments in the NBA, but it was underrated in terms of the fan support that they would get. And it was always a challenge to win a game in Denver. So I'm not surprised when you add in the fact that Murray, by the second half of the season, was the guy we kind of saw from afar in the bubble and the star that he was starting to become after the injury. It was good to see him be able to overcome that injury and really get to the level he was at, if not another step forward. And the biggest thing that I think is a, it's a positive for the rest of the league is that the Nuggets might not have won that championship without uh, KCP and, and Aaron Gordon. And you look at those guys, and they're veterans. They're guys that you have to have on a winning team. And so by having those guys on that team, it just made them a complete team. And it also makes you feel like there's only one Jokic, but they're I feel like they're uh, not, a, not a big three type of team. They are right. an MVP, leads the way. You've got a talented backcourt player. But you had a real solid foundation, and I think as you're another team from a medium to small market, uh-huh. it can give you it can give you hope that you can do something similar down the line.
0: I was going to say, and I happened just to get the luck of the draw. I was in this seat last Tuesday, same bat time, same bat channel. So it's the day after the NBA finals come to a conclusion. And yeah, you have to hit, and and obviously the direct correlation between Milwaukee and Denver is that you landed a foreign player that nobody quite sure what you had, and it turned out you literally struck gold. You have a, at least another you know lottery level player. Both the Bucks as well as the Nuggets have that, and you have a couple of uh, veterans that that you know that that know their role and can contribute. But they were not super teams. They were pieces that were acquired. They were pieces that were drafted. You frankly have to hit on more steps to get it right as a medium market team like the Pacers do. But to me, that's what two of the last three years in the NBA show you. If you do it right, you can get it done.
6: And and this is how those players and those hits can help you, and I'll bring it back to the Pacers in that Giannis makes Milwaukee a little bit cooler than maybe they were eight to ten years ago. And players want to go play with him – and I would, you know, I argue that the the market size is, is overrated and sometimes there's too much on ESPN talking about New York and L.A. And the reality is they haven't always gotten all of the free agents that they've wanted. More often than not, if you think of the last 10 to 15 years, it's, you know, following stars. Well, if you get one of those stars, you can make that market seem even better than it is. And, and I think Denver's a great city. I'm often asked of my favorite places to visit in the NBA. And it's definitely one of the three or four that I most enjoy visiting for, you know, the downtown, there's so much to do. And the, the weather's really, it's a little cold in the winter at times, but in the fall and the spring, it can be pretty nice. So uh, I think Jokic has made Denver cool. And what I think could happen and it's starting to happen is Tyrese Halliburton going to make Indiana cool. And, and Miles Turner obviously knows a lot of people around the league as well. I think Tyrese Halliburton is the kind of player that, that people will want to play with. And I'll just – if I bring back a guy like Aaron Gordon, not to say him, but if you're a guy that has been the guy or had a lot of expectations but not a ha- not had a lot of success in your career, you, you may think at some point, even though he didn't have a choice, he was traded from Orlando, but you may realize how much of a benefit it might be to, to be – with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, and that can really help the Pacers in the next couple years as they're moving forward.
0: All right, when's the next time you're teeing them up, buddy, are you taking a hiatus from your uh, recent golf buzz?
6: (laughs) I am taking a hiatus. I think I've got one scheduled for uh, the middle of July. Actually, I just committed that last night with some of my friends. So no one that'll be a stranger on the tee box, so that'll be a little bit better. It's uh, the Magoo, actually, to raise money for a a scholarship foundation, one of my – People I went to high school with, Ryan Holmes, actually, many people listening might know, he spent some time as an assistant coach in, in central Indiana and, and passed away about eight mm-hmm. to ten years ago. So I try to golf in that outing every every July. So I'm going to do that um, July 14th, I believe. So I may or may not have a little bit of range time between now and then. <laughs> I really need to work on the approach game. But as of now, that's the next outing that I'm in.
0: I'm not sure he's going to play well. He's going to look the part. He always does. It's Jeremiah Johnson that joins <laughs> us now. Thanks for the time, my friend. I'll see you soon. All right, Greg, keep up the good work. You got a buddy. Jeremiah Johnson joining us, and that rounds out our cavalcade of stars on this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you, Drew Storen. Thank you, Dustin Dopierich. Thank you, Olivia Ray. Thank you, Mike Chappell. Thank you, Jeremiah Johnson. You're going to want to thank Jimmy Cook in the next segment because the Jay Cook Play of the Day comes up next, and all the things we couldn't get to until now as we wrap up this edition of the Fan Midday Show, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: While Tom is running down a dream, Jimmy's trying to run you down some money. Let's get you some cash, shall we?
4: The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me. All right, I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Today's plays of the day. Give me the Cleveland Guardians lay one and a half on the run line as they host the Oakland Athletics. Also going to take the Tampa Bay Rays straight up over the Baltimore Orioles and I've been riding the winning streak. It's been nice to me. We're going to do it again. Give me the red legs. This is Natty Reds. There you over go. the Colorado Rockies. Though it was one and two yesterday. Only one total base acquired by De La Cruz and the Blue Jays got shut up by the Marlins, but the Reds took care of it. One and two on the week. Looking to bounce back
0: today. Thank you, sir. What else can you gamble on right now other than baseball? Because obviously we had NBA, NHL, in last week. We had U.S. Open wrap up over the course of the weekend. You know, NBA draft keeps us kind of somewhat busy. NBA free agency, probably not as much this year because there's just not that huge name that's out there. So if you're looking to make some money on something that's not baseball, what do you have to offer? So I'm disappointed in
4: myself because I just missed the boat on this. It would have been perfect for you being in here. Now, granted, these are all already in the first half, but we got Euro 2024 qualifiers rolling on right now across the <laughs> board. So that that would have been mid-match action. Of course, you can always go with the WNBA. And then there's college baseball as well. LSU takes on Tennessee tonight. Uh, that's a pick in terms of where the odds are at via DraftKings Sportsbook.
0: You know, I'm sure that there's there's a disconnect here somewhere. As someone that watches like a great amount of like Premier League soccer, I I can't make myself watch like the Euros or like the qualifying for the Euros. Like I care when they're in the World Cup. You'll you'll watch regular Euros though, right? Non qualifying division. Yeah, uh, I got I, really into that. I, last I know. Year. I, I, I remember Iceland making their run like like in twenty sixteen. You know. Then we had like the pandemic delayed ones from like a couple of years ago. Yeah. Where I watch some of it, but, but a lot of times what I did is I watched when I was on vacation. I'm like, okay, I've literally been in the pool like the last three hours. We're going to the beach. I need like three hours of like nap time. Let's put this on for like mindless entertainment in the background. That's not a recipe for viewership being beachside. It's just, it's not. You're not going to get exactly. the Exactly. It is the attention. beautiful game, but I, I I need to I need to take a little bit of a of beautiful a beach wins out sometimes, I understand. That. All right. Another event that I'll admit to you, I had literally not watched a second of this and just happened to glance up. And see it on the screen is the College World Series. Now, I say this as someone that I was, you've heard me talk about Indiana State a great deal and the run that they made this year. And I love the fact that I had a chance to do a couple of their games and I had a chance to do a couple of Butler games. I miss doing like college baseball on a regular basis and I have managed to work a few more games into my schedule. But it's kind of almost kind of like, you know, like playoffs for me, like after the, kind of like my team checks out i go okay i'm good i'm moving on to the next so i have not watched a a moment of the college world series till just now tcu and oral roberts are playing and as someone that has spent way too much time in tulsa oklahoma on the campus of oral roberts i guess maybe that like the rivalry days of iupui and oru are far enough removed where i'm actually kind of rooting for oral roberts and I also then had um, the Oral Roberts story. I think like like blend into like my high school baseball that I was doing this week. So is it the first base coach that gives the guy at ORU like a gummy worm when they reach first base? Is that them? Is that somebody else in college baseball that's doing that? I have been as unhinged
4: or unabout the college baseball and college world series. So as literally, year, so I can't help you. I'm I'm
0: sorry. Wa- so I'm doing the second. I'm doing the two games Friday night, which is Ileana Christian and Covenant Christian, followed by um silver creek and andrean and as the kids from silver creek get to first base somebody's handing them a gummy worm like feeding them like bird style like as like as, as they get to the bag and i'm like well that's interesting and thankfully chris walker who's phenomenal at what he does doing the games and me goes oh they picked that up from or you or whomever does it in college baseball because i had checked out it's like i can give you a chapter and verse on indiana state and if indiana state was playing the college world series dude i am locked in But unfortunately, the team that beat them in TCU is playing right now. But speaking of Indiana State, and this is wonderful to see, because anytime somebody at a mid-major level does something great, and these days, whether it's player or coach, you like expect them to move on immediately. Well, Mitch Hannes has signed a contract extension to stay at Indiana State University through 2028. Congratulations, Mitch. Job well done. Done. And good for you, Indiana State. You didn't handle that super regional thing very well, but you handled making sure the coach was going to stick around. That part you got right. Derek Schultz is on deck. Um, normally this is the part where I would I would invite him on to the program, but A, we have 45 seconds left, and B, he's gonna have me on the show at like 3 30 i'm only good for like one or two good jokes a day i don't want to waste any of them now but what i will say is this i'm not sure we can work this into our 330 conversation um if for some reason you don't follow him on social go do so but especially for a particular topic on yesterday's query and schultz television program which you can find pull the microphone away on the isc sports network Um, It's rather sophomoric, but it's really damn funny. Make sure you go check that out. Schultze is up next. Thank you, Jimmy. We'll do this again next week. And you'll hear from me in like 33 minutes here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fam.